begin transmission. Hello, everybody. This is iStar Raptor, joined by the full crew this week. We have Milton and we have Ben to discuss the sixth episode of the Book of Boba Fett, as well as some publishing news for this week's episode. How's it going, Milton? I'm good, man. It's good to be back. I appreciate uh, all the support and love that you guys gave me since I was off last week. But um, yeah, I'm glad to be back. Hyped for this episode. The last two episodes have been fire, but obviously this most recent one, I have some a lot of good things about it. I don't really have any negative. I, I do want to address some of the criticism I've heard of where this show is going. But yeah, I'm ready to talk about this episode, so let's get into it. Heck yeah. And well, Ben, for those of you that are watching, might look a little bit different on this week's episode. We had to kind of pull him in from mobile. So we are getting in all aspects of streaming tonight. Uh, how's it going, man? Hey, as as the legendary Bane, Bane said, we have to go mobile sometimes, and we're doing that tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm doing good, just getting ready for a bunch of relatives coming in from out of town in about two hours. So literally as soon as I get done with this podcast, that's what um, we'll be entertaining a bunch of people. So that should be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was a really fun weekend. Star Wars, one of you know, it's always great, like getting into it, um, into the Mandalorian every week, every Tuesday nights, like Mandal- Mandalorian, I mean, Book of Boba Fett, um, Book of Boba Fett Eve every Tuesday night. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, that was fun. Like last week, you know, always having my buddy over bringing, you know, some good food and watching the Book of Boba at 3 a.m. And yeah, you guys just got to hear my Freudian slip calling it the Mandalorian. I know I've been catching myself doing that, even discussing it with coworkers and whatnot. Half the time I am actually being for real. I'm like, how'd you like that Mandalorian episode? You know, so that's, that's been fun, fun little exchanges we've been having. Um, I'll kick things off this week. Cause I almost forgot. Like, I don't know if I have anything to talk about this week for, for our week in star Wars, but I actually have two cool, exciting things to kind of show off. Here we go again. That that video exclusive content for those of you watching us live and after effect. I've gotten new miniatures finally, um, and I nice. haven't finished the ones that I have had actually still. But um, here we go. Here we go. Let me get the camera up here. I have first off Yoda. There we go. That's from the Star Wars Legion. So I got that one. And I got a books of the Wookie, uh, box of the Wookies. There we go. <laughs> nice. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So uh, they will keep me busy for they will keep me busy for quite some time now. There we go. So I know for my week in Star Wars, um, I'm going to go back to an old one because I wasn't here last week. And like I said, I know Ben said something in the chat about the Naboo Starfighter. And like I said, I had to just pull this out again because, you know, I have one, if you guys oh, can see it. Oh, cool. You know, yep. like I said, it's, it's just nice that it's, it, this is back in Star Wars. So I have my own little – this is when I was like 10 or 11. It's all busted up. But, hell, the, the Mando had his busted up too, and he made it something great. But this is my week in Star Wars. I had to pull this out again. So there we go. Awesome timing. stuff there. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I mean, we were we were thinking about that last night about like, hey, what's going on with uh with with Milton because he must be losing his mind with the Naboo Starfighter showing. Up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was it was nice it was nice to see that ship. I mean, obviously, I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, 
but yeah, it, it's cool how they converted that ship into something that's that's pretty pretty badass of a ship. I mean, honestly, like I think every time I look at it, I want one. You know, I, I want to have that exact ship, and I actually might have to get that actual figure. I mean, and I'm not really one to collect the figures anymore, but I might have to get that. It looks pretty really cool. Yeah, I have a like a Hasbro, um, like a three and three quarter inch version. You could put like the Ricolay pilot or Anakin in there. And I remember like the tail being bent up for me, like shoving it in like the toy crates so many times. It was just like always off to the left or something like that. Right. <laughs> the long ass skinny little thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Ben? What's been going on with you? Um, nothing, nothing too much. Like I said, my, my buddy came over just normally that's our like tradition now with all these live action Star Wars shows. And, you know, that's one of the best parts about Star Wars really is just, uh, you know, that that's basically my week in Star Wars really just, you know, thinking about how great Star Wars is as a community. Like, even though sometimes we can get into some, um, interesting discussions online, I guess I would say, if you, if you look at Twitter, it gets very interesting. Um, but even with that, like, you know, we're all Star Wars fans, so it's great, like, seeing the discussion, like, Star Wars is going in such a positive direction, and I'm really liking that. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's a great way they're doing things, and the way uh, Star Wars is, like, bridging gaps between, say, the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy. Like, you know, we've had critiques of the sequel trilogy. Like, I'm definitely one of those people that critique it. But overall, it's great to see, like, the way Star Wars is connecting and making the sequels a little bit more better, um, just like the prequels or just like Clone Wars did for the prequel series. So I'm uh, I'm definitely liking this the overall discussion of Star Wars yeah. at the moment versus like how it was even say two or three years ago when it was just like constant battles or whatever. Like sure you'll get those random one off trolls or people here and there like just posting like hot button you know posts just to get a reaction. But overall, it seems like Star Wars is heading in a good direction with the fandom. Oh, yeah. I like I like all the positiveness coming out of uh, everything right now with just, hey, everybody's just loving what's happening. It's always a fun week when we don't have to see too much discourse going on. Yeah, that, that's oh, yeah. a good point. Sure. I mean, it, yeah. And, and like I said, I think with these particular episodes that have come out the last two weeks, I think the fandom has been pretty satisfied. Again, you have those people who will still be negative and that's it is what it is you can't please everybody but um yeah it's, it's nice to see that there's been a collective a collective of positivity for sure mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so without further ado let's just jump in because i've been chopping at the bit to talk about this episode with you guys and we've, we've exchanged a few uh messages in our group chat you know just going like <laughs> yeah this is great and everything but uh I've been really looking forward to uh, Friday's going to talk about more in depth with these episodes. Before we get started, though, if you guys are watching live, such as Star Wars Theology is, welcome to the chat, man. You can always get involved with that guy or that girl in the live action um, in, in the Star Wars podcast. Sorry, I'm a little bit distracted because there was some technical issues going on as we were recording, but I think we're good now. Um Although there is a little bit of a weird noise going on in the background. I don't know if anybody can hear that. I can't hear it anymore. Well, it just went off. No, we're good now. We're good. See, this is live, people. You never know what's going to happen. Yes, yes. So if you are watching the video version, sorry about the quality of the voice because I realized that the voice is not matching with our mouths completely, at least with me. Um, 
So just be aware of that because I am aware of that. It's not that I'm unaware of that. So going forward, yes, we're getting off to a great start. Um, we have this going live every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern time. Um, so if you want to join us, you can join in the discussion in the chat. We'd love to have you guys in the lively chat room here going back and forth. And we can also you can also listen to us live or listen to us on podcasts after the fact. Every Monday, we put this available to download on everything from Google Podcasts to Spotify to Apple Podcasts and everything else beyond. Um, and we also have t-shirts at our Teespring store. So make sure you go ahead and check out the merch. So let's get this thing started. So we have From the Desert Comes a Stranger, episode six of the Book of Boba Fett. And yes, this has everything to do with Luke Skywalker, Grogu, which I would have never expected. We're going into full spoilers because I really can't talk too much about this episode without bringing that up. So sorry about that. But it's already been all over the internet at this point, so you've probably seen it. Um, yes, we have Mando going to this planet. We're not sure what the planet is. He finds not only Luke building a temple, but Ahsoka. There's that first you know, communication between them that we've ever seen that kind of blew my mind about, like, holy crap, Like I would have never expected that. And then we get down to Tatooine, and that is where we see Cobb Vanth returning. Yes, Cobb Vanth. I've been waiting for this guy to show up. He feels so likely to show up in a show about Boba Fett. He used to have the armor. And we see Cad Bane enter the scene. And we see the Pikes actually causing a ruckus and actually making themselves known to be a threat for the first time ever in this entire seven-episode series. And it ends with a huge choice. It ends with a huge choice of saying Grogu can move on with a lightsaber, being a Jedi under the, pupil uh, under the tutelage of of Luke, or he can go along with Mando with his Mithril Beskar armor shirt. Um, so that's everything in a nutshell. We're going to break that down in, in very much, very, very detail. So getting into our impressions right off the bat, let's just start off with Ben. What did you think of this episode in general, man? Excellent. I thought it was the best episode of the series. One of the best episodes so far of these live-action Mandoverse shows. Um, it's definitely, for me, a a perfect episode pretty much for the most part. Um, I really, I really enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I got, after how exciting last week was, I got really nervous when it opened with Cobb Banth in the desert. I was like, Oh my goodness. Is this episode going to be a Cobb Banth episode? Um, yeah. I, I was, I was really nervous actually. Cause I was like, Holy smokes. If they give us a Cobb Banth episode before the finale, people are going to go wild. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, luckily they didn't. But overall, the episode, I thought, was really well-paced. The, uh, like, the quote-unquote, you know, feel of Star Wars was there. Like, it definitely felt like Star Wars, obviously, because Dave was directing. But it felt like Star Wars, the way he paced the scenes with Luke, the way he, um, you know, paced Ahsoka, everybody. He... he he obviously gets Din and Grogu perfectly. Like he hit them perfectly. And then of course, finally adding stakes to the series because we really never have the whole um, threat of the Pikes. Like why, why should we be scared of this group? Who in the group are we scared of? We don't know anybody from it. So who cares? But now that we find out Cad Bane is with them and he comes in and like basically threatens this, uh, I mean, he obviously threatens Cobb Vanth. He, sh he shoots him in the arm or shoulder area and then kills the deputy. But he obviously um, is basically setting the tone because, you know, even Cobb knew this guy probably meant business. So, you know, he had everybody go inside. 
So like now, now the Pikes are a threat because they have Cad Bane. And I just think it's really a really uh, good way to finally set up the finale. And then of course the major choice between um, with Grogu is going to be an impactful one, whether it be in this finale or in Mando season three or four and, you know, future star Wars, Disney plus series in general. Yeah. So a lot of great points there, Ben, um, especially going into how the future could look for the series about how Cobb Vanth. I love the introduction to Cobb Vanth. I thought that was so cool to just open up with that actor and be like, yes, we're back. And this is so Western, such a Western feeling seeing him just gunning down the pikes, giving him that ultimatum and all that sort of thing. What about you? What about you, Milton? What, what were your thoughts on this episode right off the bat? Is Milton here? I I can't hear oh, Milton. I'm I'm sorry. I have myself muted. My fault. <laughs> there, okay, there we go, Milton. So like, I love this episode so much. Um, obviously, you guys know I'm a big Luke fan. Like, I am so impressed with the technology. I was actually telling this to my dad yesterday, and I was like, Dad, you have to watch this. And he said he'll get into it eventually. <laughs> and I said, Listen, like Luke shows up, and he looks so good. Like, I, I was very impressed, and I was worried that they would have him talk, but, like, cut away from him. So, like, you notice early on, they, they were doing that when Luke was yeah. speaking. I'm thinking, yeah, oh, yeah, man, yeah, maybe yeah. it's not looking good. Maybe the voice is off. But then they did a, uh, some close-ups on him, and I'm thinking, like, why don't we get a Luke series? If he looks this good, give me a Luke Skywalker miniseries. Well, Milton, like, without to, question. Yeah, just to interject real quick and let you get back to your point, um... So you bring that up, the best shot, I think, of the episode, in my opinion, was when Grogu is lifting up the frog, and when it cuts to Luke, it cuts straight onto his face, yes. right on his face, and he's looking like, are you serious? You're, you're doing this? Like, he looked annoyed. They hit the annoyed, like, the annoyed emotional look so perfectly. That's what I was thinking, too, was, we can do a Luke series. We 100% can do a Luke and Grogu series, or a Luke you know, just doing his thing series. I, I think it could 100% happen after this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you want to, and I know we're going to focus on, on this episode, but yeah. if you want to give me a Luke series that took place after Return of the Jedi, literally like a year or two later, that's fine with me because it's like, man, the tech has caught up. And since I know they've probably developed this technology over the last couple of years, but my God, the, from the first time we saw him at the end of Mando season two to now, significant improvement. Sounded just like him. Looks like Mark Hamill at that age. I'm just like, wow. I'm very, very impressed. Love the Luke and Grogu interaction. Love seeing Ahsoka. I love the Ahsoka interaction with Luke. Um, I think, obviously, and everyone knows, Cad Bane's my favorite bounty hunter of all time. Like, the way he looked was amazing. <laughs> the way he sounded was amazing. Literally, on my way home from work, I was talking to my brother. He's like, Milton, did you watch it yet? I'm like, no. And he's like, you're going to lose your mother effing mind when you do. Because some people show up that you really like. And just <laughs> where this story is going, I'm excited. Now, I've heard some criticisms about, oh, this is no longer Book of Boba Fett. It's ain't about him, blah, oh, blah, we're blah. We're going to talk all about and that. We have a whole yeah, we'll get to that. We'll but it's like, that. <laughs> it's called the Book of Boba Fett for a reason. This is a chapter within the Mandalorian universe. This is a, a, Mando, this is a Mandoverse show. So, of course, all the characters are going to play a part in all the shows that's produced within the Mandoverse. So, to me, I'm totally fine with how this is played out. 
You know, like you have the Arrowverse, you have Marvel Cinematic Universe, you have Snyderverse or DC Universe, whatever you want to call it now. There's always intermixing stories and characters sometimes take the lead in other people's shows or stories. So I love this episode. To me, one of the best episodes I've ever seen. And again, we'll get into it further, but I I really can't say nothing bad about this. There you go. Well, credit where credit is due, and that is for Dave Filoni, written and directed by him. Awesome stuff there. Well, Whatever he shows up. Let me, let me jump in here real quick. I'll, I'll give credit to someone else. and You guys might be shocked for me to hear for me to say this. I'll give it to Kathleen. Yep. She, had to, she had to have signed off on this. You know, yeah. and it's like, it's like part of me gets upset when I see stuff like this. It's like, oh my God, this is the stuff we want. But then you give us The Last Jedi. But then I'm thinking, you know what, Kathleen? You're making up for it. You're giving well, us Luke Skywalker. Well, here's the thing, too, Milton, not to, like, get super, super sidetracked on a Kathleen discussion. We could we could have a two-hour conversation about that. But um, taking her um, off the movie set issues, I guess you would say, to use kind of a sports term, off the field type issues, like the mismanagement, things like that, okay, whatever. But if you really think about it overall, like, sure, we've, uh, we're not, like, the biggest, biggest fans of the sequels, but I think, really, the only misstep under the Disney era so far has been the last Jedi. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people that like it, which is totally mm. fine. And the film is subjective and everything and blah, blah, blah. But if you think about it for the most part, they have like a pretty good winning percentage. Like they've hit on almost every, everything's been pretty good to solid at least. And they're trending in a good direction. And like with Kathleen, she had to have, you know, greenlit the Mandalorian greenlit Mando season two, greenlit book of Boba. Um, and greenlit all these other projects like the Ahsoka project, the Kenobi project. Like, so there's good projects coming down the pipeline. Right. And I think, you know, I can give them credit because they're listening to fans because you can tell, yeah. sure, a lot of people, um, a lot of people weren't the biggest fans of Rise of Skywalker, but you can tell they tried to course correct with that movie to basically, oh crap, we made a lot of people upset. Let's try to do what we can with Rise of Skywalker and make people happy. Right. And, um, and I think they're really trying, and I think they're trending in a good direction with everything. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as, like, my initial impressions of this episode were, wow, wow, wow. Um, you know, Mando, I thought that could have been just, like, a, a one-and-done, like, a one-shot in a comic miniseries. Like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we're going to throw this one character, the, the one episode, and continue with, like, the Boba Fett. And then when I seen Cobb Vance show up, I was like, oh, here's more connective tissue. Then it was like Grogu and Luke, like, come on here. Like, I thought for sure that they would hold Grogu until like season four of The Mandalorian. I thought they were going to really make us like really want him. But then mm-hmm. it makes sense. Like, he's like kind of like the cash cow. Like, you can't go too long without him because then people will start dropping off. You know what I mean? Because they're coming here to watch Grogu. Uh, but just like the deep connective stuff to the Clone Wars, if you are a longtime Clone Wars fan, you're going to love this episode for all the references of Ahsoka and, you know, uh, oh, I'm a friend of the family and he's like your father or whatever. He's, you know, whatever the line was, like all that stuff really hit. Just seeing the future of how it could be like, you know, hair of the Empire tie in where it's like he's building his Jedi Academy. That is right. just mind blowing there. But getting into the stuff with like, hey, the Pikes are, are actually a threat like this episode did more for the plot of the book of Boba Fett as well as you know actually pushing everything else forward in this at the same time and giving us an actual 
threat that we haven't had this entire season. Is it a little bit late? Probably. <laughs> and that leads me to believe we're going to get multiple seasons of like a Boba mm-hmm. Fett spinoff show at this point. But uh, they're certainly setting us up for a huge, huge last episode. So um, as far as a penultimate episode goes, I wouldn't say it's by any means perfect. But it's definitely been a bright spot in this season, which has felt like it lacked a clearly defined um, purpose as far as like what's going on with, with the threat. So for that, I really, really enjoyed this episode. So what did you guys think? We'll, we'll jump into the episode proper and go like kind of scene by scene about the Cobb Vanth scene. I, I'll, I'll say my right. initial impressions of that with, with Cobb Vanth. It's great, especially as we know the end game with what happened with him. This entire purpose is to show him that the Pikes are, are everywhere now in Tatooine. They're not just on Maz Espa. They're, they're literally everywhere. They're even in the most remote places like Mos Pelgo at this point, which we've seen how much of a pain in the ass it was to find in Mando Season 2 already. It was like a lost town. And if they're already in a lost town, it's like, damn. Um, but this episode did a great job of showing us how good of a gunslinger Cobb Vanth is. And then when we see him get his ass kicked by Cad Bane, it's like, holy crap, like that guy that just took out three dudes in a blink of an eye just got two-shotted by like this other guy that came out of nowhere. So that was a scene that was a really great idea to put in there in the beginning because it does show us the power of Cad Bane, but it also reignites us, uh, reunites us with a character that I really did enjoy as Cobb Vance. So what do you guys think? I thought it was a good scene. I mean, I, you're right. I think it set the tone to what the episode was going to be. Um, it established the Pikes. And like Ben said, they put stakes on this episode. They put stakes in the show. I mean, yeah, we've, we've seen people die, but not really main characters that were really threatened. Um, obviously, the way they introduced Cad Bane it was, is a classic way to introduce him. Just have him walking through the desert like, uh, like, like a nameless stranger. You know, and, and they kind of played it that way. I mean, that's what the episode's called, pretty much. A desert, a strange, was it a strange, stranger, stranger in the desert or something like that? Yeah. So, like, they, you can definitely tell Filoni and Favreau looked at those old, old Western films and took inspiration from those. Because, again, you see a lot of the scenes in those movies where the Western stranger was walking through from the distance. And you're like, oh, well, who's that? I'm very curious of why this person's here. And obviously, it was nice that he didn't reveal his name because he didn't say his name. No. He just showed his face. And from my perspective, I think Cobb Vance knew who that was. I think he knew who was Cad Bane because you can tell, like, if you go back and watch it, he lifts his head up and he says, you need to watch where, like, what business you're in or something. Yeah. And Cobb's, his face just changed. He's like, oh, oh. I, 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 it seemed like he recognized him. Well, because Cad, Cad, Cad said you should have left your, you should have kept your armor. Your armor on. Yeah. And it's like, oh, like, it, it, again, I love that scene. I just love the way he looked. Cad Bane looked so good. And he sounded so good. Even though he was lighter blue-toned, I think that's from the sun reflection. That's that's the lighting on purpose, in my opinion. Yeah. Showing him being light-skinned. Because I saw someone on Twitter or Instagram, like, he color co- he color-corrected it. Not not to criticize it, but to say this is what it looks like in the, sh- like the animated show. But he still looked great in live action. And I wish, not going to lie, if I could be one character to play in Star Wars, I want to be Cad Bane. Put some makeup on me, I'll be a bounty hunter because he's such badass. He's more badass than Boba Fett. I'll be honest with you. Like, Boba will get wrecked by by Cad Bane, in my opinion. 
Was that a CGI or was that like a mixing between practical? And that's the what thing. was that? I thought the same thing. My brother and I think it's both. We think it's practical and CGI. Obviously, with the nose, kind of like when they did Voldemort and Harry Potter, like okay. Ray Fiennes, they showed his real nose and like behind the scenes, but they CGI'd it to look like a snake. I think that was practical makeup with CGI mixed in as well. Oh, I mean, obviously with the eyes, I think you have to CGI the eyes because they look so. But you know, he was like, it was, it looked so good. Like I don't, I don't even care. It just looked amazing for live action for sure. It's, I mean, we we're, we're talking. Let's just talk about the scene already because uh, why why talk about it twice essentially? So so with with the whole Cad Bane appearance, I think they did a, a wonderful job of. Um, and I'll call out Aaron Daly in the chat. She's saying Cad Bane's entrance felt like a Clint Eastwood film. Yeah, it certainly yep. did. Like this, the build up, the build up to seeing this guy walking out of nowhere, and the build up to like him just looking down and like for the longest time you just hear how intimidating it is. Just having seeing his teeth were just like so grotesque and just wicked. Like, and they got Corey Burton to do the voice. Thank goodness they got the original voice actor to actually Love do you. the voice. And man, oh man, it just was something incredible because you see like the buildup and you and you keep doing those like old Western cuts, right? Where it's like looking at the person's eyes, look at the person's hands by the by the blasters. It was so old West and the deputy deputy goes. But like, think about this. Like, how long has Cad Bane actually been like staking out this place? Because he knew his he had the arbor. So that he knew about this like whole operation for literally a long time, months maybe, because right. he hasn't had that armor in a while. So Well, he, he probably like scoped it out in the sense of communicating with people around around town or, or just around Tatooine in general, because I mean, didn't Cobb have the armor for like five years or something like that? Yeah. So he had to he had to have like spoke I mean, Cad's gonna do his his uh reconnaissance research. So to me, whether he did his research or he scoped it out, I, I you know, we'll, we don't, we never know. But he, it was not surprising that he would know that information. I mean, hell, it, this guy broke into the Jedi Temple, yeah, stole holocrons and got away. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like, it's crazy. This guy means business, and the fact that it's you know Boba Fett, he knows Boba Fett because he trained Boba Fett. I mean, it might not be, I guess it's kind of canon. Right, Ben? Because there's like a, a scene that was cut from Clone Wars where there was like a right. duel and everything. So it's like, I wonder what his feelings are on Cab Va- Cobb Vance because like, oh, this is the pretender that took my protege's armor. You know, or something like that for five years. And oh, I'm going to whoop this guy's butt because he's nothing like Boba Fett, you know? Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. I was like, man, you know, Cad Bane obviously knows who uh, Cobb Banth is just because he had the armor. It's been multiple years. Presumably Cad's been working with the Pikes probably for, I would say, a while. Um, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just the day before this episode. So, um, you know, he's been presumably working with them. And then you have him, um, you know, just his whole interaction with Cobb Banth, I thought was done so well. Like you said, all the shots were, were done really well. I really do like that they made him seem like a intimidating they gave him a worthy introduction to his character for how he was they gave him a worthy introduction and then on top of that i i always have to applaud like dave and john and then even robert rodriguez for this series for just the mandoverse in general when they've introduced these characters that we all know we as in hardcore star wars fans 
they've introduced them in a way as general audience. If you look at it from a general audience perspective, all they need to know is this cowboy hat bounty hunter alien guy is a bad guy. And that's exactly what they got. And they did such a good job at it because, you know, like I always joke around, my litmus test is always my grandma who's a Star Wars fan. She called me Wednesday afternoon and was like, whoa, that was a really good episode. I can't leave all the stuff that happened. She said, she said that cr the craziest part of that episode, though, was that was that alien cowboy hat bounty hunter. She said, <laughs> he, she, and kid you not, she said, he reminded me of, of Clint Eastwood in an old Western, but like it, he's an alien or something in Star Wars. And I said, yeah, that's that was the intention, pretty much. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, like they did a good job of introducing Cad in a way, making him accessible for the general audience, but also living up to the legend of the way they drew him out in the Clone Wars and Rebels and everything, making him seem like a, uh, you know, just, just the way they introduced him, the way he talked, the way, you know, the way he shot, like everything was introduced perfectly. I mean, hey, the only thing we didn't get was having Toto coming along with him, but I don't get me wrong, that would be great to see a Toto appearance. I'm happy he wasn't there, because last time he showed up in Bad Batch, like, I'm pretty sure we all had criticism about this stupid droid. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, why is he doing this? Why is he? Why is it Cad Bane? Shut him down. He's freeing the prisoner. Like, all this stuff. <laughs> but yeah. I, I thought it was really cool, because after he, he kills the deputy, and, and, and I think it's safe to say that he's not dead, right? As far as Cobb Banth right. is concerned. You're saying he got shot yeah, in the shoulder? Yeah, he, he lived. He lived. He, okay. he, got, he got shot in the like, shoulder. He got shot, like, basically in the shoulder where your arm connects to your, your torso. Um, right. So he should be fine. My my little prediction on that, I mean, we'll get into predictions later, but quick prediction on that is I just think that'll be the catalyst to Cad's going to go back, or I mean, not Cad, Cobb is going to go back to Boba be like, hey, uh, this alien bounty hunter dude with cowboy hat shot me, and yeah. Boba's going to be like, oh, man, Cad Bane's back or something. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> is, it, is, is it crazy for me to think that, I'm not going to lie, I was rooting for him the whole time? Like, I wanted him to win that gunfight. Ooh. I mean, Cad Bane. Oh yeah, I I, oh, I thought for I was, sure I was, I was gonna have. I was look, I, I can't lie. I was hoping, I was hoping we were gonna get Cobb taken out in that scene just because he has been, you know, he's one of those kind of like side characters that you know we have an appreciation for. So it would have been a valuable death, kind of like Quill, you know, from season one in Mando or Quill or however you say his name. Mm -hmm. Um, it it would have been kind of like that, I think, and. That could have maybe sent a message to Boba, like, hey, I mean business, you know. Um, because this this episode alone really has a lot of Godfather-type feels to it, and I'm loving it. Yeah, I mean, this is what needed to happen. There had to be some death or some very serious uh, consequences, which we haven't gotten at all in this series. Like, it's good that they finally gave us something to worry about. And there's going to be a lot more to worry about in this next episode. But, again, it's just, all right, here's the threat. And it doesn't get much more threatening than this alien that just shows up on your doorstep and just wipes everybody out. And, and the fact that everybody else is just in terror, like no one's going to try to kill Cad Bane. Like he just takes him out, and just slowly walks away, like just has so much confidence, like, ah, no one's going to mess with me. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's the thing. Like they, like Ben said, they, they established this character for, for a normal head who's watching Star Wars. They establish this character as someone that don't want to be trifled with. You know, and that and that's that's good writing. That's good storytelling. And again, you're you're feeding like Dave Filoni and these guys. They aren't really 
advertising to the nerds. They're advertising to the mass audience that aren't super Star Wars heavy. So when they introduce these characters, they got to pull them in. They got to want them to say, well, who was that? Maybe he's in another movie or another show. Like I saw um, who plays uh, Fennec Shanigan with Ming-Nan Wei. Yeah, she was tweeting about, oh, have you guys seen Clone Wars yet? Have you watched the movies? Because there's some characters that show up you need to watch, you know? So it's cool like that to see that they're doing it, they're doing it right when they bring these familiar characters that we know of into live action. Yeah, so let's keep on the track of threats involved in the Book of Boba Fett. And let's look to example A, which is literally the Pikes bombing the sanctuary, where we yeah. have uh, the Twi'lek that Boba Fett has as a vassal that's going to give him money and all that. That was, like, you talk about Godfather events there, Ben. That was definitely one of them. Very clear uh, inspiration from that. Just these guys leaving this Katonomo or whatever they call it, full of just whatever that explosive is. And just, holy crap, that, that will mm-hmm. send a message. If Cobb Banth wasn't enough to send a message, oh, they'll just take out one of his own freak, Boba Fett's own ways of making money, essentially. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, go, go ahead, Ben. Oh, no, I was going to say it real quick. I uh, I mean, look, I mean, Jennifer Beale got taken out, potentially Max Rebo and all those patrons, really. So it's definitely finally like, you know, the stakes are getting up there, which unfortunately the stakes shouldn't be up there in the sixth episode. But hey, I mean, we're getting them now. We finally feel like a sense of danger and it's 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 paying off or starting to pay off. Right. Well, yeah, that, that, that particular scene reminds me of, uh, I believe it's the Godfather scene where Michael's first wife gets blown up in the car. Where, like, yep. his, dri- his driver, uh, put, I believe, puts a bomb or, like, a suitcase bomb in the car. And you see him speeding off. And, and when Michael notices him walking away, you know, he looks at the, bom- looks at the, uh, the car and yells. That's pretty much paralleled in this particular scene where uh, Jennifer Beale's character noticed, like, that canteen thing or whatever looks and see them leave and like pretty much she she knew that they were screwed over um again that that's great storytelling i love that scene it makes so much sense that we need to up the stakes um you're right ben six episodes and we, we could have probably got this in episode three um but i'll take it now and right there this confirms we're getting to season two because there's no way they're going to resolve all these storylines in, in next week unless it's an hour and a half episode yeah, we have Tim Sheets in a chat, good subscriber of the channel, likes to talk a lot about in these uh, these live things and in different videos. He's saying lots to tie up in the last episode. Good news, Max Rubo wasn't in the place. And I was literally thinking about this as your guys were talking like oh, all the people in there. I was like, oh, shoot, the, the, the blue elephant guy that plays the keyboard, he wasn't in there, was he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really worried about him. I mean, obviously, I know he's a beloved character. It's, it's funny how people can latch on to these minor characters, which is a good thing, but, um, yeah, like, Boba. huh? I said Boba's a minor character, and he got fact. You're, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. So, obviously, I, I think Max Rebo, he just plays a keyboard, or I guess this alien Star Wars keyboard, so no one really should love him, I guess, that much. Huh. However, he, he, he does deserve some love. I'll give him credit. Yeah, Wait, I, no, here's the thing, then. My new pitch to Kathleen, the book of Max Rebo. Okay. <laughs> no, I ain't well, watching he, that. He, <laughs> he's already he's already survived an explosion on a sail barge, so the guy's pretty much indestructible, apparently. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe he has the force, and his metachlorian count is crazy high. So, 
<laughs> it just floats away. Facts. <laughs> ridiculous. Oh man. So yes, yeah, so the stakes are definitely high with the Pikes. Um, being led. Oh, not being led, but but Cad Bane working for the Pikes. So got a lot to look forward to. Uh, Dark Dirty Gonzo in the chat saying, "Will say for the season finale if the Mo or if the Maz Pelgo citizens join the war against the Pikes, uh, the Tuscans probably will join in as well." Yeah, I mean that's a good point, and and like I said, we never know what Bobby's going to do, and and that's where I think the episodes, the last two episodes have been lacking. <clears throat> Excuse me, the lack of Boba Fett. Obviously, um, I think what would have helped strengthen them even more these two episodes because they're, they're not bad, but what would have strengthened it if we've got more Boba Fett pretty much pulling more strings about how he's trying to get his people together. What is his overall plan going to be to counteract the Pikes? taking over, you know, Tatooine and running Spice through that planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's switch gears. Let's go down to this forested planet that Mando lands on. And there we see a bunch of spider droids putting together the beginnings of the very first Jedi Academy under Luke Skywalker. Um, so so what did you think about this scene as you first seen what was happening with R2, Ben? Um. I, w- I first, you know, of course, was super excited to see R2 because I was like, well, that means we're getting Luke this episode, so that's good. Um, so that gave me relief. But I, uh, you know, R2 is such a great uh, mainstay for Star Wars, just kind of like Yoda was or Chewbacca. Like, the droids, they're definitely a mainstay, so it was great seeing R2 get introduced the way he did. And then also, Mando interacting with him I thought was done in such a genius way. Having R2 get back to his playful form, how he was in the, in the originals and then in the prequel trilogy and even in clone wars, like have having R2 like in kind of his playful mode, like when he, when he's meeting and talking with Mando and you know, he basically tells Mando, Hey, sit on that bench. And then R2 shuts himself off and Mando's like, Hey, wait, you're just going to sleep when you're talking Ah. to me. Um, like it's just classic, like R2 humor. And that's the type of humor Star Wars fans like. They like that type of humor and not like the forced humor we've seen from other projects in Star Wars. So I really, uh, thought it was a good introduction to R2, like back into the universe and just the fact he, um, you know, he did a lot. It felt like he, he was actually involved, which is nice. Cause I mean, R2 is a good, really good side character that we need and having him actually have something to do in this episode was good. I loved it. Yeah. I'm catching a theme here, Ben and Milton. Um, we gotten two droids so far in the book of both that have just switched themselves off casually and conveniently. <laughs> Listen, that that's my only beef about this episode <laughs> was when he did that. I was like, Oh my God, do this is a foreshadow to, Force Awakens, yeah, him shutting yeah, himself yeah. off. Oh, I didn't think about to, that. To, to no, Last Jedi, that. shutting himself off or just showing some shit, going to sleep after that. It's like, what are you doing? But then it's like, no, he's just being, he's just being R2. You know, he's being R2. That's a point to this. Because, you know, R2 R2 is very stubborn. We know that. Yeah. Know oh, like, yeah, 100%. The, the thing is with R2, he, you know, the way he did it in those movies, though, it was more out of like depression and sadness. Yeah. Or right, right, right. This, in this, it was more for comedic purposes. Like yeah, in he, those, he's being a jerk. He's being a jerk on purpose. Yeah, it was being a jerk, but it was a funny jerk. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's where, like, 
because I, my brother and I were laughing about it. I said, oh, my God, it's just foreshadowing in this, whatever. But uh, <laughs> but overall, I mean, I, I love the, the, the planet. I love the Luke stuff. I love Mando interacting with Ahsoka because he was surprised to see her again. Uh, Ahsoka is just a character that is universally loved, I think, from everyone. And Luke can do no wrong, in my opinion, especially young Luke. Just how he was just walking with Grogu and, like, mm-hmm. force, force skipping him. Like, how that. powerful do you have to be? To do something like that, just like cat, it's it's like breathing for him. Oh, just come on, force walk. Yeah, yeah, force yeah. walk. Or like they were doing the meditation with the frogs, which is a cute scene. It was cool to see that Luke was getting a little annoyed, but also saying, "Hey, Grogu still so very much a kid." Um, what really took me back with all the Luke stuff was when he tried to awaken his mind, Grogu's mind, mm. with the memory of Order sixty six. Oh, how man. dope was that? And we got to see clone troopers again. Now, those are the first time we've seen clone troopers in live action, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, obviously, since, since the prequels. I mean, no, since no, no, the prequel no. films. But here's the thing. The prequel films, they're all CGI'd. Right, yeah. right. True. Like, I'm true. pretty you're sure not, you're those are actual humans in, in suits in that scene. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I mean, with, with them only having, it was like, maybe so 10 troopers in that scene, you can hire 10 extras to play those, those, those troopers. But it was cool to see that, oh... Like, these creators are paying homage to the prequel trilogy and tying it into, obviously, the sequel trilogy down the road. So it was cool to see that memory and what Grogu got to experience during the Jedi Purge because we know he was there. I felt like, for whatever reason, and I know knowing Jedi lore, this doesn't make any sense, but I thought we were going to get, like, a scene of, like, him on his home planet with Mm. other Yoda-like creatures. And then then I was, like, pleasantly surprised because I completely forgot, like, the whole thing with the Jedi Temple and how he was there. In my eyes, I was like, oh, maybe this could have been what happened. They were filming Kenobi, and they were like, hey, um, you guys have the Order 66 set up, right, still? They're like, oh, can we just, like, shoot for a couple hours, put Grogu there, and have a couple of your clone troopers there? And that's why I'm, like, even more on board because there was concept art of, like, a a Obi-Wan Kenobi um series scene with like order 66 with anakin or something like that mm-hmm. that leaked like a long time ago and that press release thing so now i'm like yeah. okay i i really strongly think we're gonna get even more order 66 and maybe they'll actually show us who actually rescues grogu in the obi-wan series right because well, that's I mean, a big you, mystery you got right to now. see who rescued um caleb in the beginning of bad batch so yeah they and and that was something that was started what was told in a comic and obviously, you know, in Rebels, and we got to see that in a different show. So it wouldn't surprise me if we got to see a reference to, well, someone picked up the little Yoda-type character, you know, in, in the Obi-Wan series during a flashback. Because even, and I see where you wanted to go with the Chris with the whole Yoda tie-in, because he talked about Yoda, but also he says, like, you remind me of my old master. Mm-hmm. He spoke mm-hmm. in riddles. And he's like, do, do you know anyone like you like that? And Grogu didn't speak. So it was cool to see that, oh, maybe he's going to unlock his mind to show us maybe where Yoda came from, maybe where Yoda's origins are from. It was just cool to think that, but I'm glad we didn't get it because it was nice to see what Grogu's perspective was during Order 66. Yeah, yeah, and you see a a couple Jedi there. I think one of them is um, Syndralic, who who used to be like a really good like lightsaber duelist apparently in like the old legends and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Right. Yep. Yeah, that was Syndralic. I think I think when it comes to that, you know, I kind of got thinking the same route as you were, Chris. Like, they for sure had the Order 66 stuff set up for the Kenobi show, 
and they were like, hey, we need to shoot a scene or two for the Mando flashback or Book of Boba flashbacks, I guess. And, you know, that's where that came from because there's no way they would have like set up the visuals for that scene and everything without having that, you know, like pre, like, I think we're going to see connecting scenes into that potentially, whether it be in like the Ahsoka series or the other, um, you know, Mando season three or even Kenobi somehow connecting to it. Um, I mean, who knows? We might get a flashback and have like a random, you know, maybe we'll see Syndrolic in a Kenobi flashback when Anakin's going into the temple or something like maybe we're going to get something along those lines. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to really try to connect all of these Disney series through, you know, kind of side, uh, like side hallway type things like, Oh, that's happening over there. or That's happening over there. You know, that sort of thing. Right. I mean, I, I could see the make, I mean, I mean, really Star Wars is a linear story, you know, everything that's with these shows are connecting within the films, you know, and like the animated TV shows. So again, it wouldn't surprise me if they throw a scene or two, which I would like, like, don't, don't give me a full, you know, three, four or five episodes trying to connect it. Just give me a couple scenes, you know, cause we, we mm-hmm. can make it work. You can make it work to where it's like, Oh, you're referencing your Easter egg in that scene. Okay. That makes sense. You know, you get a peep of Grogu and an Obi-Wan series in the Jedi Temple. Okay, we know where he was at at one point. So, yeah, you don't have to give us... You don't have to overdo it. Just give us enough where we're like, oh, I like that Easter egg. That makes sense why that person would be there. Or yeah, why, that, it, why that event would take place. It, it's pretty cool because there is, like... I guess you could call it an Easter egg to Jedi Fallen Order. Because in Jedi Fallen Order, you are Cal Kestis, like, five or six years after the events of Revenge of the Sith. And you're trying to hide your your past as a Jedi because the Sith are out, the Sith Inquisitor. So you're trying not to even like hint that you're a Jedi. So in doing that, you suppress all your force powers and you kind of forget how to like certain memories and, and certain abilities. So that kind of reminded me of that. It's like, okay, like Luke is like almost like Cal Kestis, how Cal Kestis, when you level up, I guess you gain more abilities in the force. Cause you're like remembering your past trauma and you're letting it come through sort of thing. So that's kind of where I connect that. I was like, Oh, that's kind of like Luke letting letting Grogu kind of look past that trauma and see through the, mm. the murkiness of his mind and unlocking some things and like maybe that's gonna also help him like increase his force ability, which we see later in the episode. But I do want to go back to Luke and and how we thought of his appearance. And I'll start by saying I was a little leery at first because I was like, just like Milton or Ben had said earlier, it's like, oh, why aren't they showing like him talk or like why aren't they showing they keep showing his head or, or far away shots and i was like oh there's probably something wrong with the with his eyes they don't want us to see his eyes because i think that mm. might have been one of the things in the prior one but when he opens his eyes I was like holy crap that's mark hamill like what yeah how did they get him back in a time machine like they, it really felt great and as milton said i think they could really get away if they had the funds to do it um they're gonna show more luke and more luke as we get through these these series, you know, I think he'll be in Chris, the Ahsoka series for sure. It's, Chris, it's Disney. They got the money. Okay, <laughs> you can do a two to three season miniseries of Luke Skywalker. Okay, at this point, like the technology's there, and it's only going to get better. Again, we said this last year about the Mando finale. We all said it. We're like, this is going to get so much better with the technology. And I think one of you guys referenced it in a group chat, maybe about. They they hired that guy from YouTube that does like the deep fakes or something, yeah. And like he's he's part of the team now with the tech. Like, come on, man! Like, if you if you can make, 
you know, Luke Skywalker from 1983 to 90, look, bring him in 2022? Like, come on. We deserve a Luke show. That's all I got to say. Well, well that's the that thing good. with Luke. Yeah, that's the thing with that um, Luke appearance is the way um, Shamook did it. You know, like we mentioned before last year, he did that. He did his prior deep fakes on his own budget, on his own computer and stuff at home. And now he has Lucasfilm's budget and he has their, their high-end computers and high-end tech and everything. And look what the, look how talented he is that he was able to do it. And he's like leading, um, like his official title, he's like leading, it's, uh, it's basically like lead motion capture person, you know, for like right. the CGI for the face and all that. So like he's like the lead of that, um, uh, of that creative process and he's doing such a good job with it. Like we could for sure, Luke, I mean, we've seen him do it with his own stuff with Harrison Ford on, sorry, I mean, sorry, Alden, but, you know, we can for sure get a young Han Solo now and potentially young Carrie Fisher because all you have to do is get, you know, they have to capture so many different um, variations of like their facial expressions and things like that. And he did such a good job. It just, it was so impressive. Like all throughout it, I was, like you said, you both said, I was a little nervous at first when we started. I was like, oh man, how's this going to look? Because, you know, we're not recasted. So how's this going to look? I was pretty nervous. And then when they see his face, I was like, holy smokes. And then, like I mentioned to start this show, you know, the scene where Grogu's lifting the frog, it cuts to Luke's face, Luke's face, and he looked annoyed. And they nailed it. They nailed it so perfectly. And I, I just, I just was stunned and all throughout it, like, you know, we, we try to look at these shows with a positive outlook, but throughout it, I was kind of thinking, okay, where can I critique this? You know what I mean? Where can we find the chink in the armor? Mm. And it, it was so good. They did mm -hmm. such a, he did such a good job at it and it was so impressive. And, you know, it just made me think of all the different possibilities they could have. And Pretty again, much. all of this has to be, um, you know, again, you know, we started our show, like giving Kathleen a shout out. I can give them another shout out here because to humble yourselves and hire a YouTuber, that's, that's big. Like I, I can give them all the props in the world for that. Like, and he, and he's crushing it so far. Yeah. And here's the thing, right? There are so many other variables in this sequence. First off time, there's way, way more time that we see Luke speaking close-ups, everything. It was very much a stationary shot when he comes up in the finale of Mandalorian 2, he's just in that, that interior design space, right? That's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. He's in an exterior, a brightly lit, just daytime yep. shot. It's like they can't hide any blemishes when you have direct sunlight on your face. You know, it's not like you're hot, hit, hidden in shadows or something. Plus, there's a lot of movement. He's walking. He's talking. He's doing different gestures. And at one point, he's even like using his lightsaber. And before when they used lightsaber, he had to like wear a cloak. So the fact that they were able to progress the technology that fast in literally one year is pretty astounding because it's like a that's night and day saying. difference with all the, the, the enhancements. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like with all like and that's what really threw me because like, you know, all the lighting shots that they did and, and you know, that's purple purposeful lighting. You know, like I'm sure they probably shot that on a soundstage or something. Maybe some out some natural light outside, but they have to generate the lighting that they want. And for them to create that per Luke's face with that lighting and make it look so naturally like he's an actual human being there, it's like, man. And and yeah, I love the lightsaber use. And and that, it's nice to see that because Luke 
was training still. He was trying to get better. I still think Ahsoka would wreck him, but he definitely like got better with a saber, you can tell. Um, and speaking of Ahsoka, their interaction was amazing. Just mm-hmm. for her to say that one line, oh, so much of your father in you. And it's like, damn it, like, mm. like how cool is that? Yeah. Oh, I never would have thought we'd have got like that type of scene ever, that, that Anakin's son would be cool with his close friend slash yeah. apprentice. Yeah, like there was this con- there was this really good artist. I wish I could give them credit. Um, that was floating around for years, where it's like Luke with Ahsoka with Leia on the Falcon or yes. something like that. And I've I always that. think about that when I'm thinking about like that meeting. And now I can think about this. Like, do we yeah. actually got that that meeting? Now I think there's a lot more history with that scene. I think we're gonna get like either a Mandalorian season three or it's definitely in Ahsoka. We'll get like um, some kind of flashback for when they actually meet. Like how did Ahsoka know he was there and all that sort of thing? Like, yeah. cause then he's like, will I ever see you again or something as she goes away? So yeah. Well, cause, like, yeah. Cause they, they seem very comfortable with each other and love how the line she said, oh, I'm a friend of the family. Mm-hmm. It's like, bro, you, do you think about Padme? You yeah. think about Obi-Wan? It's like, she wasn't just a pad one. She was family. You know, like that. That's how. That's how Anakin treated her. Oh yeah, I thought. I thought it was so great seeing Ahsoka like interacting. Like you guys said, seeing her interacting with Luke. That's what we've been wanting. We've been wanting that conversation, that scene. Like, and we're gonna get. We're for sure gonna get more of it because here's another thing too with the whole Luke and Ahsoka stuff. They wouldn't be perfecting this technology with Luke Thank to you. just do it as one-off thing. Why would, why would you sink in money to do it as a one-off thing, get people hyped, and then don't do it ever again? Like, we're going to be getting plenty more Luke, whether it be potentially in the finale or even, you know, in Mando Season 3 and in Ahsoka and the Rangers show. Like, I think we're going to get a good dose of Luke and hopefully a, a show of his. But seeing him and Ahsoka interact was so great. It's what we've always wanted. Rosario Dawson, I, I love her as Ahsoka. Like, don't get me wrong. She just plays it so perfectly. And I, I like it that she's also really buying into the character more and more because if any of you guys have Twitter or Instagram, like she's always posting about Ahsoka. Like mm-hmm. the other day she went and reposted a picture of like Anakin and requoted and all she wrote was sky guy. Like, you know, seeing yeah. stuff like that, it's like, that's great. Like, like it's great that she's buying into the character. Like, so we're going to get plenty more with her. And uh, and Luke interacting, like you guys said, we're definitely going to get either how they met or maybe what I'm actually really hoping for is kind of an extended Anakin conversation between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'd cool be nice. Thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the cool thing about Rosaria Dawson, the actress, is she's one of the busiest uh, working actresses in the entire industry. Like just today, I found out she's she's she does like voice capture or, or motion capture and voices for one of these characters in his new Dying Light video game that came out today. It's like, so she does that. She does, like, live action things. Like, she's working all the time. So it's not like, oh, of course she's just saying this stuff because, you know, Star Wars is her only project. Like, she obviously is super busy with all these other projects, and yet she still has the time to kind of gloat over Star Wars the way she does. Right. I mean, she's well, going to be an awesome ambassador, you know, of, of the Star Wars. I was about Wars. to say, and, and you can tell she's a fan of the property. Yeah. Like... Like that that's what I love about the actors that they bring on, even the creators. They're fans of the property. Now, are there times where you shouldn't bring on fans to do certain things that you like? Probably, cuz I mean, let's be real here. Should 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 me or Ben 
run our NFL teams that we love? Probably not, because we'd be too emotional about it. Yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. But, 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 like, you know, when it comes to acting and being a creative genius like that, I think you can do a better job of separating that because cause there's a lot more people that's in that particular team. And obviously we see that we have three creators in Filoni, Favreau, and even Robert that are fans of the property and they really understand Star Wars. And they, and they will probably disagree with each other and say, hey, that might not fit here. But maybe this does for this particular way we want to tell this story. So I, I love that, you know, with having Rosario Dawson, you know, even having um, who voiced Ahsoka in the show back in the day. Um, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Ashley Eckstein. Ashley Eckstein, yeah, having her as the voice and how she promotes Ahsoka with her own clothing brand and always showing up for the events. It's nice to see that we have that positive environment from these two actresses who play Ahsoka very differently because they're different times in their lives. And I mm-hmm. love that we've embraced this character and we still want to see her. Yeah, we also have clarification on the, the artist that I could not remember for the life of me for the um, awesome Ahsoka and Luke picture, and that is Daniel Day. Omeda, um, mm. and that is thanks to Dark Nerdy Gonzo in the chat who uh, clarified that for us. So there you go. Look it up. It's awesome. Awesome. Appreciate artwork. it. I'm, I'm curious to see what the chat's got to say about the way Luke looked. Because, um, again, I, I've, see, I've seen nothing but positive interactions on social media. For the most part, I mean, I've seen some negative, but, you know, I don't really pay attention to those those people because, yeah. you know, they're not worth my time. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, but like I'm curious what the chat thinks about how Luke looked because I was just blown away. Yeah, like yeah, I legit no. was so excited to see that. Wow, we're getting really good, and I feel like they're going to touch up Luke in the finale. I can see them fixing him a little bit in the finale of Mandalorian season two. Yeah, uh, we had Star Wars theology earlier on in the show. He was going on about how looks looked really, really good, mm-hmm. and um, you know a lot of people are talking about Cad Bane before, but. Uh, Yep. You know, I, I I haven't reached out to a couple of my close friends that were very much against Luke in the finale of Mando. They're like, they should have recasted him. Doesn't look right. So right. I made it a point to actually private message them and be like, "What do you think now?" And they they were like, "It looks great." I was like, "That's yeah. Miss Tess." If like these guys that absolutely didn't like it at all are saying it was pretty good, then I was like, "Oh, they've they've done their job." Because right. I put, I went out on Twitter and I tweeted like. It's really quiet about Luke. I guess they nailed it or something yeah. to that degree. Like, right. pretty much like that, that was it. I didn't see anything negative on on, on Twitter yeah. at all. Well, that was that was one of the best parts was, you know, we saw a lot of people going going hard in the paint on Luke in season two, Amando. Oh, well, how, you know, he looks this way, recast, blah, blah, blah. Um, and if they would, here's the thing, though, to keep it real, if they would have stuck with the CGI for Mando season two, you have to recast. You have to recast. Without question. But this this is a totally different ball game. Like this technology is so good. Like it's crazy. Like I was one of those people. I'm definitely one of those people that are in like you know. Hey, you can recast these younger actors. Like if it's for the story, it's for the story. Whatever. But this totally changed my mind. Like I'm completely on board with the Luke series. You know, you just have to be creative on how you're shooting it and stuff. Like there, I'm sure there are some angles you know, you could make it be looking, you know, kind of weird or whatever. But overall, as long as you're smart about it, which John and Dave are and the creators are there, I think it'll work out just fine with whatever capacity they lose use um, Luke in. And, you know, I think it's heading in a good direction. And, you know, this presumably was shot like 
you know, months, like six, eight months ago, potentially longer. So by the time we get around to seeing Luke again, the technology will be even better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, Tim Sheets was saying I was impressed with how they did Luke. Someone said this episode just changed history in regards to how we will do movies and shows going forward. Facts. Dark Nerdy Gonzalez chiming in. Luke looked perfect. Best of the digital patch jobs they did. Wish they could retouch uh, both Tarkin in Rogue One and Leia in 9 with this new tech. I could see them doing that. Now, because a lot of the stuff they put out is digital, I could see them going back, touching up on Luke in the finale of Mandalorian, touching up uh, uh, Tarkin, which Tarkin actually didn't look bad for the most part, from my opinion. They can touch him up here or there. Leia was probably the weakest one of those particular three. Um, but yeah, I, I can see them going back and say, let's just touch it up and re-release these films or whatever you want to do. Like, that's fine. I mean, you can do that. And that's why, like, there's so many possibilities now with these, just these particular characters, I think, for Star Wars. Now, obviously, I don't want people saying, well, go do T'Challa from Black Panther, blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't go that far. Hmm. But with Star Wars, I think you can get away with using Harrison Ford's Han Solo, Mark Hamill's Luke, and um, what's your name? Um, Carrie Fisher's Leia. To at least tell like a, a, another story with those three. Cause we, we truly deserve another story with those trio of characters. Mm. I think it's going to come in some version of this. They're going to see all the positive outflow of appreciation coming out of this episode and probably the next episode and I think they're gonna dive in man i think this really is becoming that 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 hair of the empire kind of uh yep. take in canon i really think this is gonna well, be it here's the thing chris i um i was saying to my cousin the other day he actually just started the heir to the empire trilogy and he read the entire first book in like in an afternoon he just sat what? down and binge read it and you know, he's he's freaking out how good those books are right now. And like I told him, well, be prepared because basically the Mandoverse, they're just rough adapting the Heir to the Empire trilogy to mm-hmm. this timeline. That's basically what this is turning out to be. Because I mean, we're getting young Luke, who's powerful. We're getting, I mean, Boba Fett's in there. We're getting Thrawn. Um, we're obviously, you know, obviously there's adaptations like, you know, we have Ahsoka and Grogu and things like that and Mando. But those, you know, can be just subbed in as kind of the side characters. And, you know, they're basically just rough adapting the Heir to the Empire trilogy, which I'm totally fine with because the Heir to the Empire trilogy is top three or four Star Wars stories ever, all time. Like, that trilogy is great. So I think that's pretty much what's happening here. And uh, the best thing is going to be... So, you know, we're so hyped about Luke. We're so hyped about Cad Bane, Ahsoka... I can't wait to see how they're going to do Grand Admiral Thrawn. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Oh, man. Yeah, that's going to be something else. So let's get let's get into the actual plot. We talked a lot about how it looked, how this made us feel. What did you guys think about the big decision-making that was in this episode, starting off with Ahsoka giving Mandalorian like the feedback of, hey, you know, you can go and you can give Grogu your gift, but that that might change his fate. And would you really want him to do that? Like, I like the whole theme of choice in this episode. You know, everybody has a choice, and that could have, obviously, drastic implications and and practical things that could happen later on. So that, to me, was pretty much heartbreaking, because, like, you could see Mando looking away at Grogu from a distance, and he's so close. 
But, you know, he, he, he takes that decision right. and he goes his own way after traveling all that way. I felt that that part was – it was nice to see that they gave the choice, obviously. I kind of got some prequel dogmatic feels again in the sense of like, okay, like Luke talked about attachment and all that type of stuff. And it's like, wait a minute, like Luke was never known to be that type of Jedi or like turn away from attachment because he loved his dad. He loved Leia. He loved Han, you know, and it's like he wanted to have those bonds. Hell, he got married in the the legends. Um, So to me, I felt that was maybe not Luke. But maybe they're just trying to say, well, Luke's a different Jedi in the sense that, well, no, I'm, I'm going to give you an option. Like, you don't have to be a Jedi. You can be uh, a foundling Mandalorian or whatever. Just, you know, let you know if you choose the way of the Jedi is a very lonely path um, versus if you go be a Mando, you know, person, then it's different life for you. So I understood where they're going. I felt it was a little odd that they put some of that dogmatic narrative in it. But I guess that's pretty much a Jedi core value yeah and, and you got to realize too at this point that luke has traveled around the galaxy for five years you know after return of the jedi he's been going around gathering jedi artifacts you know getting tomes that speak of the ancient jedi so he's got a lot of that on the brain um but again like we know us looking back in hindsight, they'd be like yeah that's the sort of stuff that made the jedi fall in the first place like all these dogmatic right. approaches to like this or that or nothing else you know those kind of ways of thinking are what were the downfall of the Jedi. But I do agree with you. It's like, at least Luke is like, not like you have to do this. This is your calling. Like he's as, at least giving, giving Grogu, Grogu the choice. But how about that, man? He lays out at the end of the episode, what a cliffhanger if we've ever had one in this series, right? Just giving mm-hmm. Grogu this ultimate choice of Yoda's lightsaber, which we haven't seen in a long time. That's really cool. Or which, awesome... where did he find that? Where did that's he find that? Be on, that's got to be on one of the journeys that Luke went on. Like Luke, Luke I think, and I think, I think galaxy. he must have found it in like Palpatine's like secret stash. Because yeah. think about it. Remember the last time we saw that saber was in the rotunda, or yeah, yeah. the rotunda at the uh, at Coruscant when he knocked it out of his hands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Palpatine found that saber and it's like, okay, I have Yoda's saber, the Grandmaster of them all. So yeah. you know he was. Well, he in the uh, what's the second game? Um, Battlefront. Battlefront. He uh-huh. goes to. Yeah. Palpatine's uh, one of his secret thing. chambers yeah, and like yeah, yeah, takes yeah. like the um, the compass. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's not surprising he would go and find like these places. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. That's cool. It's again giving us that information that Luke and and it's funny because I was surprised it took him this long to start constructing a Jedi temple. You know he's been going around the galaxy and I guess Grogu. Grogu is the reason why it's like, ah, I could see this guy as my first student. Maybe I should start settling down, so to speak, and actually start right. continuing this Jedi Order. So it's been pretty cool, like, getting that little backstory. That it's taken this long for him to actually settle down. He's been, I guess, going all over the galaxy. And like you said, Milton, maybe, hey, maybe they can give us some kind of series. If not, maybe some comics or a book or, or, or book series mm-hmm. or something of him on his own solo, just going around the galaxy gathering this this knowledge gathering these items that uh, we see later on throughout the films and in the series there right oh yeah like i think i think with it um the thing is with luke you know you got when you guys were talking about it 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 brings up an interesting point now that um i had a couple minutes to think about it so we have luke 
it's actually really weird now that you guys brought that up because you know he's presumably trying to follow the Jedi rules strictly, but if we go strictly off the last Jedi, Luke was against Luke was against those strict Jedi rules because he talked about how dogmatic the Jedi were. So like, I I don't know. It is it's kind of a weird situation they kind of put themselves in because Luke, you know, in the Last Jedi, was talking about how dogmatic the Jedi were, and then now they're having him basically do the same thing as the fallen Jedi have before. Right. So I don't know. It's an interesting creative choice. I mean, we'll obviously see how it plays out because. You know, uh, like some other people, other creators have said before, when it comes to Luke, the way you build up to what happens to him down the road is build him up as powerful and confident as you can during this timeline, and that'll kind of justify what happens, basically. So, yeah. you know, I can see it. I can see it heading in that direction. And the good thing is with him, you know, I think we're going to see plenty of him, whether it be in these series or potentially in movie. You know, we have the Kevin Feige and Taiga Watiti movies floating around out there somewhere, you know, whatever those may be. Um, I think we're going to get plenty more of him in that regard. And then like with, with Grogu with his choice with the lightsaber or the Mando armor, I honestly think, I mean, I know it sounds so cliche, but I think he's going to probably levitate both of them. You know, I, I think he's going to choose both and it'll go back to that whole, he'll be the first Mandalorian Jedi um, there has been since like pre Vizsla or, or whatever um, the Mandalorian, you know, the first one was called. Right. I, I Ben, I thought the same thing. No lie. I said it. To, I said, why can't he have both? No. The reason why he can't have both because it wouldn't make sense in the canon, right? Because if, if he becomes a Jedi, where the hell is he in, in the sequel trilogy? And why is he right, killed right. by Ben Solo at the at the Academy when it burns? You oh, know what I mean? But you got to think about it this way. Well, you, just real quick, you got to think about it this way, though. <laughs> If he becomes a, he even if he chooses to be a Jedi, he would still be a youngling because the sequel trilogy is only twenty five years away. So yeah. gro in Grogu's timeline, I mean, Luke Luke basically says to Grogu like, "Hey, you know, if you choose to be a Jedi your whole life. You know, this human guy is gonna die before you're even yeah, you know realizing. Like you know, I that, like that, that, line, that was pretty dark. I was like, man. Yeah. Um. So like, so the thing is with Grogu, I think that's why he's gonna he'll potentially choose both. Is I think he'll, um, I I really think he's going to choose both just because it's it's just so cliche and I feel like it just fits, it fits Star Wars like you know it's just a Star Wars thing. All right, um, real quick before we get into our our thoughts, then we'll go into predictions and then some other topics relating this. Um, I loved how we got the inverse of Luke training Grogu versus Yoda training Luke, right? And about how there. Are, even exact shots replicated like Luke, like front flipping over like some kind of tree root or something like that. Like all those like cool little moments of that montage really with the music and just the whimsical nature of it with the forest and Luke just like climbing this tree and just showing the vast expanse of the force that work with balance and all these key Jedi things that George Lucas, you know, really cemented down with Star Wars, and I don't care if it's been repeated multiple times. People are oh, here they go with the nostalgia. It's like, well, the Force is like one of the biggest aspects of Star Wars. And I Facts. certainly don't mind learning about more of it, or at least being reminded of it from time to time. Um, so what would you guys think about that whole sequence? Loved it. 
I again, any, anything with Luke using a force or a lightsaber, you, you, I'm not taking my eyes off the screen. And again, I like the parallel, like you mentioned, between Yoda and Luke versus Luke and Grogu. Like it, it shows that Luke learns something, and that he's he's. Well, what's the phrase that Yoda used? Unlearn what you have learned. You know, yeah. like he's doing yeah. that. He he's teaching and passing along the Jedi knowledge, and it's cool to get the reference to Yoda. The parallel linear storytelling of how Luke interacted with Yoda first carrying on. Like, it was cool to see that. And I thought they did a good job at trying to explain what type of teacher Luke is and what will be projecting to be. Because Luke could have easily been annoyed with, with, uh, with Grogu and how he was. But Luke was very patient. And that's something Luke normally wasn't when we first met the kid. Now he's patient. Now he's more understanding. He understand that it's more. It's, it's not about him. It's about this, this student he's teaching. Um, Luke is very much at Zen at this point because he's at the most confident. You know, you you beat the Emperor, you you save your father, and you save the galaxy. Like nothing can break your spirit at this point until obviously, spoiler alert, Ben Solo, you know, comes along. Which I'm assuming Ben's born right now. Ben has oh, to be yeah. what five he's years old. Five years old at this point, yeah, maybe yeah, four. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I. Uh, I mean, I echo pretty much all of those points, Milton. Like, I I love the Zen. Like, it really did feel have like a mystical feel to Luke. Like, Very just much. when he was yep. talking, when he was walking, like it just felt like it felt like it felt like you were talking to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back. Like, you know, it just felt like that. And also, the good thing with Luke is just the fact that he. Um, <clears throat> I feel like he's aware that Grogu is also still kind of like a baby so you know he's not as tough per se i guess on him as you would be potentially like a 15 year old human student like say ben solo would be or something mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think that's another key factor that's playing into it as well and i mean come on luke may be like battle hardened and everything right now but he can't look at that little thing and go that's not cute at all like i, right. I have a soft spot for it already so like like i don't know i just feel like with um you know, they really nailed that inverse relationship between uh, Luke and Yoda. And then I just loved, you know, the conversations between Luke saying like, oh, he spoke in riddles and this and that. Like, it just felt, it felt right. It, and it felt like Luke was a master at this point. Like, he literally felt like he was a Jedi master. Like, he was mm -hmm. at this point and he was, you know, Luke... Basically, what we always imagined, what we always wanted Luke to be, is exactly yeah. what Luke was in this sequence. And even though it wasn't even an action sequence, him pulling out his lightsaber, man, I about jumped out of my seat when he did that. <laughs> just because it was like, it was like, holy smokes, that that green lightsaber, just the noise it makes, just everything. I literally just about jumped out of my seat because, like, I just it's wild because another thing too with that. Him pulling out his green lightsaber—that means we're going to get it in action in this. Uh, I hope so. Eventually, I, I, I need. I so, need honestly. This is one thing I think we need to truly see Luke at his peak in a lightsaber duel against against yep. someone. Like I, I need to see him, like in peak power, looking like his dad, wrecking okay. people. All right, we're we're gonna Here's, save something continue. for for the for the um, right, right, right. because I I literally got something that just sparked in my mind, but I do want to um, finish up with uh, I'll let you finish your your thought, Ben, but I do want to get to the score so I can talk about this thing before I forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, no problem. Yeah, I was just saying, I think uh, yeah, I just really like the relationship they're de developing already with Luke and Grogu, 
And you, I mean, we knew from the beginning, soon as you saw the shot of Mando looking at Grogu from far away, you knew he wasn't ever going to meet up with him. You knew that 100%. Um, but I think with Luke and Grogu, it's going to be interesting just to see how they reconnect Mando with Grogu eventually. Will it be in combat? Will it be Mando going back to that planet? Will it, you know, potentially we might see Luke on a mission with Grogu and that's how they'll bump into Mando. Like, I think, I think there's a lot of possibilities and, you know, we just have, uh, you know, Luke's also still learning from Ahsoka, you know, you can tell. So like, that's, that's another possibility. Maybe Luke could potentially have something go on and he meets with Ahsoka again to talk to her. Like there's so many options they put on the table for us in this episode. And it's crazy. Like this is the most like excitement I felt since, I guess since last week, but, uh, since, you know, since last week, basically. Um, and before that, not, not a lot, but, but yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it's just it's going in such a good direction. Mm -hmm. So let's wrap up by giving our scores out of ten. We'll have, we have a couple more topics related to Book of Boba before right. we get into. Um, I'll start off with uh, with Milton. You go first. Uh, final thoughts, man. Score out of ten, as always. This is going to be the shortest one I've ever presented. Ten out of ten. Oh, like it, it's like it, it's ten out of ten. Like I, I mean, and and the reason why I'm saying this, and I, just because. There's this episode for what it was. Don't forget, people, it's called the Book of Boba Fett, not Boba Fett. This is a chapter within the Mandoverse of this universe and of this series. So when I hear people say, this is a getting away from Boba Fett, blah, 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 blah. No, because it's going to tie into the finale some way, shape, or form. They're, they're going to show how Grogu and Mando somehow reconnect in the finale. I guarantee you that. Maybe Luke will show up, but you have to build up their stories right now to pay off in the finale if or when they get there to that point i love the character development i love we got plot points moving the story forward with the pikes with cad bane i love the visuals and music 10 out of 10 perfect episode i can't say nothing wrong about this one all right i will go next um can't say much more than that than you did but um talking about this episode i'll just echo saying i've i've gotten those Big story beats in Star Wars I would have never thought I, I would have gotten, right? A, a Jedi Master, Luke Skywalker, training the next lineage, the, the next wave of Star Wars Jedi in this post-Return of the Jedi era. We're getting to see things like Cobb Vanth versus Cad mm -hmm. Bane, right? Just the fact that there was Luke and Cad Bane in the same episode, like those two separate could have been enough conversation for well over an hour. Uh, so having all that getting the pikes to actually have a little bit of a threat, right? There's just so right. much going on that I got to give it a nine out of 10. I, I feel like the finale could, could do even more. So I'm, I'm getting my score to be a little bit on the conservative side, but I'll throw it over to Ben. Well, I'm definitely not on the conservative side. 10 out of 10 easily. <laughs> I think the episode was excellent. It, it, basically set everything in motion that we wanted to be set in motion. And, you know, as like, as like, uh, you know, for any sports fans out there, like Bill Belichick with the Patriots, the coach, he always said like, do your job. And the thing is the first four episodes, they were not doing their job of like entertaining us. They were not giving us action. They were not giving us what we wanted out of this series. And now they're doing their job. They're like, okay, well, we got to, 
we got to step it up a notch. So we bring in Mando last week, and then we bring in Luke and Grogu and Ahsoka and Cad Bane and Cobb Band. Let's just keep lining them up. Like, you know, now they're doing their job. And this feels like a great, great, um, like we're going to end in a great way. I think Boba's character, um, they, they basically set him up. I feel like they almost completed his arc almost through the first four episodes. Like his arc feels like it's, you know, we know where he's at. We know what he's going to about, you know, so now it's time to check out the other characters. And like, as Milton said, this is just a chapter in Boba Fett's life. And every book has different chapters. Like we don't stick with the main character for the entire thing, mm-hmm. unless you watch the Joker movie, then, then you do. So, um, so the thing is like with, with this whole thing, the way they introduce the characters, the mysticism of Luke, the, relationship between him and Grogu they brought back the cute charming moments that we always wanted you know like with Grogu like that's always such a big draw and then overall just including the general audience the way Dave and John and and Rodriguez did um so everybody can watch it whether it be general audience members or hardcore people like us analyzing every little Star Wars tweet on the internet like it can be it's a show for everybody and they're really bringing um pleasing everybody as an audience and they're just making this feel like star wars to be excited about again and this it really is giving us in my opinion vibes of the original trilogy like the mysticism of the original trilogy of the force like uh you know not to like bash on the prequels but one of the critiques of the prequels is just um quantifying the force with midichlorians and this really has the whole mysticism of the force feel to it it doesn't feel right. like midichlorians at all so like to me all of that combined plus uh you know just the overall stakes the action with cad bane and everything it's easily a 10 out of 10 and to me it's the second best episode behind mando season two finale out of all of these disney plus shows dang yeah chris before we go on i would like to say these two last these last two episodes are just great interludes in a, in a, in a Star Wars book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. think about like the books that we got post or when Disney took over. A lot of the books had those interludes. Like um, mm-hmm. Empire's End had a lot of interludes. With the, and, and those are some of the best parts of those books were the, were the interludes. Aftermath. Yeah, so like, the, think about it. Book, book of Boba Fett, these, are, these last two episodes were great interludes to what's going to help build the story moving forward. Yeah, so let's let's build right off of that point. That's one of the topics I want. We're going to talk about how we feel about this show with with what the criticism is about. Oh, yeah, and too much on Mando and not enough on Boba. We're going to get into that. And we're also going to talk about our predictions for the final episode. Then we'll move on from here. But um, I got a really cool tweet thread that I was reading through earlier today. It's from uh, this one person here as I pull it up, as I'm looking, as I'm trying to buy time, as I'm trying to look through my tweets here okay so this is um this, this person named adam frazier and he literally he must have like 10 or 12 tweets in his thread explaining why it's not a bad thing about characters like luke and ahsoka and all these other mandalorian mainstays are in the book of Boba Fett. um one of the easiest things explanation here is on the investors day kathleen kennedy was explaining what's coming out and she literally said that the next chapter, keyword, next chapter, keywords, next chapter of the Mandalorian story would premiere in December 2021, right? So, you know, it, it's not 
directly called The Mandalorian, but as Milton was mentioning, if this show was going to be just on the on Boba Fett, they would have called it Boba Fett, just like some other things like Cassian Andor series and stuff like that. Um, so the fact that it says the book of Boba Fett, it's like, hey, there's other characters that could be in this book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And it's all what I'm thinking here is there's like each season is progressing the overall story as we're seeing already. Like, it doesn't matter if it's called Boba Fett. They could just call this, like, the Star Wars series because every season of it that's linked is going to carry the story uh, forward. We're going to get uh, every... And what was explained in his tweet thread is, like, every character that is in the book of Boba Fett has some kind of relationship with Boba Fett. It's not like they're completely yep. detached, right? Obviously, Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett. Cobb Vanth has the armor. Is he going to live up to the armor's name and all that kind of thing? Mandalorian obviously got helped by Boba Fett. That's why he's going to help out Boba Fett. You have Ahsoka, all these characters. Luke had had a relationship with Boba Fett where he fought against him and different things like that. So there, you can draw a line of of, of um, connection to basically every one of these characters that people are kind of criticizing for taking too much of the of a limelight. Grogu is connected to Boba Fett because Grogu ended up being saved by Boba Fett and all this kind of stuff there. So. It really all adds up to the whole thing being, yeah, is it kind of weird how the titles are? Sure. But with that being said, we just got to look at it and be like, hey, this is one continuous story. People were saying ahead of time, this is Mandalorian season 2.5. I'm thinking too, like we haven't gotten an official name of the Mandalorian season three, but what happens if it's not called the Mandalorian season three? What happens if it's just called something completely different and we're just assuming it's called Mandalorian season three? Now, of course, for like, metrics reasons and different things like that they're probably going to call it mandalorian season three because that's what everybody knows it as but maybe they'll give it like some cool subtitle like the mandalorian um restoring mandalore or i i don't know they can come up with like a cool like subheading you know what i mean um so i just want to hear your guys thoughts on on this yeah i think i think when it comes to this a lot of people you know, really laid in about the whole, uh, is this, you know, the whole issue that you mentioned about Book of Boba and is Boba in it or, you know, Mando and this and that, the other thing, you know, we've seen the whole discourse. And my thing with it is also, you know, to go along with Kathleen, anybody who wants like video evidence, go watch Favreau's video with Good Morning America from a, a couple years ago. His interview on Good Morning America is so weird. Like oh, yeah. I looked at it a couple months ago and it's still so weird because he's like, uh, the Mandalorian season three or however he says it, or like yeah. is coming next December. And then he like backtracks and he's like, no, it's the book of Boba. So it's like, wait, 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 what, what, what did you just say? So like, you know, the way fa- just watch that interview and it is weird as weird gets for being um, someone who's, you know, for Star Wars, an employee of Star Wars being so buttoned up, he let it slip. It was like a Freudian slip, basically. So, you know, even from Favreau, it's on video. So you have that. And then also my thing is, like, okay, for all the people talking about the, uh, the Boba Fett issue, do we really, like, objectively, can we watch these last two episodes and say, no, nah, no, nah, let's let's get rid of these. Let's have three more episodes sitting in the desert with the Tuscans. Like, let's 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 see what people have to say then, because I guarantee you they would not be happy about that. And then they'd be the same people complaining, going, "We're not getting enough action. We're not getting enough Mando. We're not getting enough Grogu, or this or that, or the other thing." So, like, 
it just seems like in today's social media age, you can't please anybody. Like everybody, you know, everybody, it's almost popular to be the contrarian nowadays. Like it's Mm -hmm. in star Wars. I always look at people for any sports fans. I'm sure. I mean, you, you will know for sure. Milton, like everyone wants to be like skip Bayless, basically always be on the opposite side of everything. And that's pretty much what some star Wars fans do. They just want to dig in one of like, sure. It's fine to be the opposite, like opinion. That's totally fine. But sometimes people do it just out of spite. It feels like just to get, a tweet going like have tons and tons of people responding so like to me i think it's totally fine how they're doing things i uh i do wish um i do wish they would have potentially i don't even know maybe maybe made instead of because see we do have one potential like last week's episode this week's episode in the finale we do have potential of a lot of things being crammed in So I do wish the first four episodes would have been cut down to two and then potentially made this story be more of like the final five episodes, like more drawn out potentially. Um, But like overall, I just don't, I don't see an issue with it. And I think, you know, us as Star Wars fans, we want to get like hardcore and opinionated about it. But I guarantee you like, like Milton, if you like ask your brother or ask my grandma or ask people who just kind of generally watch it, who are more casual Star Wars fans, they don't care. They they yeah. just want a good show. They just want a good cohesive show, and mm-hmm. that's what they're getting. Because all the general audience members last week, when you have Mando pop up, everyone's standing up, clapping, going, "It's Mando! We're back!" You know, like woo! Like that's that's all they're saying. They don't care. Like they want Grogu. They want Mando. They want Luke. Like it, it's good connectivity. And then, like your point, Chris, like all these people are connected to Mando. Like we, or, I mean, to Boba. You know, we got Grogu, we got Ahsoka, we got Luke, all these people that are connected to Boba. So the book of Boba Fett could also mean the book of people in Boba Fett's life. Mm -hmm. So it's just, uh, I think it's a good overall connective arch. And I think a lot of people are just reading into it way too much. Yeah, because here's the thing that the main plot of the book of Boba Fett with the Pikes and everything, it all stems from Boba Fett, really. It all stems from his past with the the Pikes Mm -hmm. and all this kind of thing. So we got to understand that because whatever is going to emerge at the end of this next episode, and I'm still saying it's Crimson Dawn, we're going to need to know where the hell they came from. And and seeing from Boba Fett's perspective is an entrance into that world and their perspective. And then Crimson Dawn's going to probably run rampant throughout the rest of the Mandoverse for several seasons, I would assume. They're going to be a constant threat. And they might not get revealed. I feel like they aren't going to get revealed to any of the heroes in this next episode. What's going to... And and crap, I'm talking about the the, the prediction, so I'll kind of end it there a little <laughs> bit. Uh, but 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 uh, it, it's gonna have basically this is uh, every season of a Mandaverse show is gonna have more or less like a main character where that character's plot is gonna carry mm-hmm. forward, and you're gonna have the guest appearances. So we'll have a Mando season three, and it's gonna be about Mando probably gonna get the uh, underneath Mandalorian crust to get inside that well. And then you're going to have maybe a character like Boba Fett helping him get there or something. And then maybe Luke helping him explore or something like that. So it's like you're going to have that that character name theme season with a bunch of other crossovers happening. So it's not anything that hasn't been hasn't been done before. No, I agree. And like I said, I'm not really touch on much more of this because you guys explained it very well. Again, the, the show is doing what it needs to do to progress their story. And they know where they're going with this. And that's the issue. We don't know how it's going to end next week. 
So I think a lot of fans are like, this is pointless. Why are you putting all these characters in here? It's like, no. Let it play out. Then let at the end of this series or at the end of this season, then we'll say, was it justified to have these last two episodes be here? X, Y, and Z. I, I'm ready for the finale. I think we'll get a significant payoff. I think there will be a lot of open-ended questions. And so we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so let's dive into our preview and our predictions for the final episode, episode 7 of season 1 of The Book of Boba Fett. And, well, we were talking earlier in the episode about, hey, you know, what's going to go on with Grogu? Maybe he'll choose to be a, a Jedi pupil underneath of uh, Luke Skywalker, or maybe he'll be a Mandalorian. And Ben was saying, oh, and, and Milton was agreeing with, hey, maybe he'll choose both. So maybe what we could see, because we got to have payoff, right? They didn't introduce Grogu and Mando in a Book of Boba Fett season without getting them to at least get together in the last episode, right? They're building up something and I feel like has to be paid off in the next episode. Mm. What happens if Luke Skywalker shows up in his X-Wing on Tatooine to deliver um, Grogu, you know, to give him a ride, basically, <laughs> to this place, and there right. he uh, sees a big battle. They, they get there in time for a huge battle, and maybe we have... This is so far-fetched that I'm just laughing trying to say it because it's kind of crazy. But I made a video I mean, about that, that. That doesn't sound crazy I, I, to me. It don't sound crazy because literally Luke said, like, if you want to go back to him, you can go back to him. And, and and let's be real here, people. Forget, don't let's not forget. Tatooine is Luke's home planet, so he's very familiar with it. And so he may have a stake in a like, well, I don't want my planet to go to shit, so I'm gonna go back here and help him out. So man. you never know, man. And Luke could be wrecking shop when he well, gets there. I hope he here, better wreck shop. Here's the thing. For him to wreck up shop, right? Ben was talking about how cool it looked to use a lightsaber, green lightsaber in action. He was going crazy. And we're like, we want to see him actually use it against opponents. Well, let's see who's around at this time that could even pose any kind of threat to Luke. And, well, I made a video about this and I was like, okay, maybe the Knights of Ren will be there. Maybe we'll have I'll Knights of say, Ren. Yeah. And because and, he's fought Knights of Ren in one of the Rise of Kylo Ren comics. I was looking back at him earlier um, and it was the issue number three where he actually goes with Lor Santeca um, and Ben Solo and they arrive at this place. And, and, and it almost seemed like Luke had experience with them because he said like something about like they wield the force like it's a hammer. Like they have mm -hmm. like no precision with the force. And I'll, I have to go back and read the dialogue, but there could have been a reference to, like, maybe he's fought him already before or some versions of them because there's different members of them. And we have seen them in the recent Star Wars uh, Crimson Rain series where they are being commanded by Kira. So I think, like, the way that this story could end is, like, the Knights of Ren show up there. And it's like you have Cad Bane going up against Boba Fett. But then you have Luke going up against, like, the, the Knights of Ren. So you have, like, two different, like, action sequences happening simultaneously at Jabba's Palace. And the, like, the battle will end, and the characters, the heroes, won't know that Crimson Dawn was the one that sent Cad Bane in, in Knights of Ren. But like, mm -hmm. you might have Cad Bane that gets away, and Cad Bane's right. like, in his ship like escaping, and he's like he makes a hollow call to Kira and says, like, await the dawn, or some like, the, the, the cheesy right, line right. that they're all saying in the comics. And it's like, <laughs> and that's it. That, like, we know they're there, but our heroes don't know they're there, and they're going to continue with, like, unfolding the plot with like Boba Fett throughout the next couple seasons of, of the shows. And, and, and that's how Grogu will connect with Mando because they'll all be fighting again. So that's like my pie in the sky, like very fan heavy 
<laughs> prediction. So I want to see if you guys have any input or if you have your own ideas because right. this could be kind of fun so to talk about. Here's my prediction for Luke showing up. If if Luke would happen, we'll probably get to Luke. Obviously, there's going to be some type of like battle, war. You know, they, They've been mentioning the word war throughout the last couple episodes. So you know there's going to be some type of mafia, gang war that with the Pikes and Boba's crew. That, that That's given. When it comes to Luke, this is my fanboy theory. I want to see Luke versus Cad Bane. I want to see Cad make Luke work for it. And I want to see Cad get away. And like you said, this goes into your theory of Awake the Dawn when he reaches out to, you know, to what's your name? Um, Kira. Kira, you know, like. But that fight will be badass because, you know, he has like jet packs and all type of stuff or jet rockets on his legs. Maybe he can wield a vibro blade for all we know. So he like that'd be cool if Cad Bane can can so. use a vibro blade against Luke with his guns, with his bounty hunter skills, and Luke would like it'd be kind of dope to see how Luke progresses with his fighting technique against Cad Bane. Because I didn't Obi Wan or it might have been Anakin fought him. One uh, of the two. Wait, he fought. Obi Wan and Quinlan Voss at the same time. That's what it was, yes. And, and, and at one yeah. point, I forget whose saber, but he actually grabbed somebody's. He grabbed saber a saber. I and what up against Obi Wan's? And he grabbed yeah, Obi Wan's. He beat Obi Wan, yeah. Yeah, because and, and, and again, we all think Obi Wan's nice, and Obi Wan struggled against him. Imagine if Luke tried to fight him. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, like Clone Wars set the precedent for Cad Bane to not be scared of Jedi Knights. That'd be awesome because think about it, right? We've seen how much ass Luke kicked when it came to those dark troopers in that hallway. We've seen yeah. how powerful he is. We've seen how good Cad Bane is. He takes Cobb Vanth and the deputy out like instantaneously after we've seen the work that Cobb Vanth did to the Pikes. So we have both of these characters that have had their reputations shown up as being exceptional in combat. Now, it's like, all right, let's see them both pitted against one another. I think that Facts. that's a really good prediction. Um, and they're both known characters. The Knights of Ren thing is just way out of left field. Right. But I think that's even more likely. You know what I mean? Right. Pretty much it could be the same fight, but high, higher stakes and probably better choreography like it was in Attack of the Clones between Django and Obi-Wan. Oh, you know, yeah. like, like, think about that. Think about that fight in modern times and how we can project, like, the, the fighting skills, the technology, like... It could be off the chain. Like, hell, they, they could be fighting on top of Jabba's palace for all we know. Oh, like, man. I, I, I just look. I'm just throwing it out there because your boy out here got a quite crazy imagination. I just want to see Luke wreck some shop against Caddick on, on the palace. Something and, like that. And, and we can't forget about the Rancor. I mean, they didn't bring a Rancor yeah. into this show without us showing Boba actually riding on one wrecking like the Pikes. I could see like I right. could see three battles. I could see like the Pikes versus Boba. Uh, freaking with Black Chrysanthemum firing away. You have like the main force of people, like the big war. Then you right. have your subsections of like Luke versus Cad Bane and and uh, Mando and somebody. Like it's gonna be pretty cool if they can pull it off. But I want to hear if you have any predictions there, Ben. Oh yeah, like I have some. You know, obviously we can we have basic predictions. Like I think for sure, I think there's a chance we're gonna get Grogu and Luke for sure in the finale. Because why would you build the uh, Grogu car seat basically in the Naboo Starfighter if you're not going to have him be back in the Naboo Starfighter. So I think there's a chance we could potentially get them reunited. Maybe that's how it'll end Mando flying away with Grogu at the very, very end. Mm -hmm. I think there's a chance for that. And then I had a really um, long think about it. So we have 
like you said, we're going to have a multifaceted final battle. We'll have like kind of like the Mafia War stuff, like, you know, Chrysanthemum and Cobb Banth and Boba scrapping it out. And, you know, we'll have those type of dealings going on with the Pikes. And then we'll have Mando. Uh, don't forget Fennec Shan. We haven't mentioned her. Fennec Shan's going to be wrecking people. She's going to oh, be wrecking people for sure. I still think she's turning. I still think she's turning on them. I think she's going to be an agent of of I don't know. Sure, sure, so so pretty much so pretty like. much he's saying uh, Ben that Phoenix's going to pull an NWO Hogan at Bash yep. at the Beach '96, turn on the halt the Ultimate War or uh, not Macho Man Randy Savage and join the out the Outsiders. Chris, what I'm talking about is a wrestling thing, okay? It's a heel turn. <laughs> like Hulk Hulk Hogan That's- became a bad guy when everyone didn't know about it and joined the NWO. I think she for sure. Yeah, I could. I I think initially maybe she'll be wrecking people, but then it'll be the heel turn time. I do yeah. see that potentially happening. That you know we'll get the battle. We'll for sure get um, some good traditional action because Rodriguez is directing this, and he did direct the episode of Boba uh, from Mando season two, which we all love the action. So he should do a good job as action directing. Um, but oh, now really? here's my crazy fan theory. So. Hear me out on this one. So we get Grogu and Luke coming to Tatooine for whatever. Like you said, um, Milton, like maybe they'll come there and be like, oh, man, there's a war going on here or something. What if we get a scene where the Pikes are coming in, you know, um, potentially, I don't know, Crimson Dawn. You know, a lot of these bad guys are coming in. We're going to have Luke wrecking shop with the green lightsaber, but he's getting surrounded. And then what if we get a throwback? to attack of the clones and get luke and mando back to back dark saber and green lightsaber like just i don't know surrounded huh. and then we have both we had boba flying with the slave one pop up 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 um you know oh, like man. just yeah, be kind of cool just, just kind of a throwback to attack of the clones like something like that because the thing is i think either way whether that crazy theory happens or our crazy theories I think we're going to get the Crimson Dawn reveal at some point. I think that's a given. I think that will happen, like the, at least the hint at it. I don't think Cad Bane's dying, because you're not going to introduce Cad just to knock him off. And then I do think Grogu and Luke are for sure coming, just because I really think Grogu might go back with Mando potentially in this episode. Like, there's, there's a good chance of it, because, you know, you build that, in the Starfighter for Grogu to sit in. Like, I think it's going to happen. Like, I think you're going to have that payoff potentially. Man, gosh, what, what if we get Grogu on his first mission as a Padawan with Luke in Mando armor, in that Lamando chainmail? Yeah. But, I'm picturing like, it right that, now. Like, him actually that, deflecting blaster bolts with like that little chainmail on. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it could it could happen though. That's the thing because they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't be giving us the chainmail and the green lightsaber unless he's going to use them at some point. And what if this is his like first little Jedi mission or whatever, and Luke takes him out on it, and he's like, "Hey, you know, this is this is your time, buddy." So, uh, you know, and and we go to save his dad. Basically, um, I think I think it would be really cool. I do think we're gonna get. I, I really think we're going to get Luke. Um, side note, I do think we will have a death at some point. Someone's going to die. Um, I think if Fennec doesn't turn, there's a chance Fennec gets taken out. Yeah. I think I do think Black Kersantan 
probably gets taken out just because he's not as necessary for the series, um, movie, especially moving forward. Because if you think about it, his character, I mean, Fennec Shan could turn. Obviously, the heroes are all safe um, for the most part. And Black Kersantan's not going to really pertain to the story of going to Mandalore and doing all that. So um, I think there's a chance he's taken out. And I think Boba's safe because um, they wouldn't be reintroducing him either just to kill him. So I think a, most of the characters are going to be safe. But if Black Kersantan gets taken out, I think he's going to get taken out in a really um, a, like badass way. Yeah. Well, well, there you guys have it. Um, those are our predictions for the Book of Boba Fett season one finale. Let us know in the comment section below what your thoughts are on this season finale. So getting back to the the, the brunt of the news here, finally, after uh, an hour and 45 minutes in, I'm going to quickly go over the, the comics out this week. We have Crimson Rain issue number two. Hey, we're speaking about Book of Boba Fett. This, is a, this could be a tie-in. We aren't sure yet. But Crimson Rain 2 has Ochi at Bestoon going to send a message from Kira to the Emperor. So Ochi at Bestoon gets these poisons. He has access to one of those Darth Maul like probe droids. And between him and the probe droid, they poison all the royal guards. And it's a pretty badass scene because you see the royal guards reporting to Emperor Palpatine in his chambers on Coruscant. And next thing you know, like 30 of the guards just collapse. And like Emperor, the Emperor is actually like taken aback. He's like, oh, like you can actually see like he falters. Like the Emperor knows so much. And it's like, holy crap, like, like here is sending him the most powerful person in the galaxy a message that he didn't foresee. So that, that was really cool. Um, we also get the High Republic issue number 14. And that is the penultimate issue of the High Republic. So we have Avar Chris and all these Jedi rushing to the Starlight Beacon as it's about to disintegrate. And we also have a brand new series, uh, miniseries. It's Galactic Star Cruiser Halcyon Legacy number one. This is, you know, your usual kind of tie-in to a new Star Wars theme park. And that's for the hotel. So we, we have that. Um, but I have breaking news. We have breaking news. I got to get some kind of like sound effect on this show because <laughs> I don't know if you guys see this pop up, but I, I, I was wa looking at the article as it popped up. This comes to us from Jordan Mason on Cinelinks. We have a brand new series on the horizon, a brand new live action series on the horizon. Okay. The title is, is kid focused high Republic live action series in the works exclusive all right, so this is a very good source. Like this guy has run with a lot of things that have panned out. It's not like your like your Joe Blow source or whatever it could be. Like this is a, 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 a credit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm gonna read through the article as quickly as I can. Um, the High Republic errors continue to expand as we've heard a new live action series is in the works with the focus being on a younger generation of heroes. Over the past few weeks, I'm gonna skip that. Um, basically. They're saying this is Stranger Things in space. Stranger mm. Things in space. I don't it's know a, how I feel about this. Uh, here, here, hear me out on this. So, so he's saying um, it's the description I heard almost verbatim from two different sources months apart from each other. Uh, the context behind it is Lucasfilm is apparently working on a new as yet unannounced live action Star Wars series for Disney+. Unlike their current slash upcoming shows, however, the primary cast and focus of the story would be kids in the preteen to teenage range. Hence the Stranger Things comparison. 
Beyond that, independent sources also said that the series was going to be set during the High Republic era with a member of the Luminous team of authors on board to help with the story. So I'm thinking that's Claudia Gray. Um, let's see, there's, there's some other things here. Okay, it's saying, at the end of this, it's saying, I'm still trying to gather more information on the show itself, which might feature some characters from the books. From what I can tell, however, things would be moving along pretty well as I've seen some stuff that leads me to believe casting is likely already underway or starting shortly. Hopefully this means we'll get some sort of announcement uh, sooner rather than later. So there you go. As, and we already have some stuff uh, with the Acolyte, right? That That's a series that might be ha that is happening with the High Republic. And he's still saying that he's hearing about this animated animation project is still in the works. So that's a potential of three different Star Wars series centered around the High Republic. Um, I know you're showing some some quick reactions there, Milton. So uh, I'll throw it over to you. What do you think about this uh, code name, Stranger Things in Space? I ain't buying it. Sorry. <laughs> I, I listen. I like Stranger Things. I love the show. I can't wait for season four to come out this year. It's fire. But I don't see Star Wars doing well with a Stranger Things type theme. And again, people didn't weren't very receptive to young uh, uh, Anakin and Phantom Menace. And people were weird about Ahsoka when she was a teenager, when she first came on the scene. So I, I, unless they make it a smart, witty, funny show with that adult theme mixed in it, okay, it could work. I mean, anything could work. But from what I'm hearing, I just don't know if I'm going to want to see it. I think I'd have to wait until you watch it. Or other reviewers watched it, but all right, maybe I can jump into it. Good. Just hearing the synopsis, I'm not hyped about it. Not saying it's going to be trash, but I just don't feel energetic. Like if if it was, if you just say Coke Kenobi, oh, I'm watching it because it's Kenobi. But this show, eh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'll throw it over to Ben. Um, I don't even know where to start. I think. I don't know. I'm not sure how I feel about that either, actually. Just because my thing is, at this point, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Star Wars is like heavily commercialized and everything. But at this point, Stranger Thing or Stranger Things just feels too like commercialized. Too. I don't. I don't think Star Wars can fit that format of storytelling. You know, because mm -hmm. Star Wars, even all these. I mean, look. I mean, we can't compare Stranger Things to this most recent episode of, of Boba, but. This episode, it's just so, like, mystic and, like, you know, it just sets the tone. Like, even in Mando, like, if you look at uh, the Mando series, like, every episode feels like Star Wars. And to me, the Stranger Things model doesn't feel like Star Wars. Like, you can look at certain things and see, you know, you can kind of tell if something feels like a Star Wars thing. Like, this episode of uh, Boba felt like Star Wars. Other, other, um projects entirely like they have the star wars vibes or mysticism to them like look at um for example uh the last crusade or any of the indiana jones movies like they have the story beats that you'd feel like in a star wars movie like don't get me wrong steven spielberg obviously is the greatest director ever but, but like he and he was close with george but his storytelling style is similar to the way star wars stories are structured like to me Stranger Things just feels more, uh, more, I guess, like more CW, like Riverdale esque uh, type storytelling. Like it just feels, it just doesn't feel like it would be a good Star Wars 
potential series again we would have to just see as you said milton we would have to see how it would play out see obviously the trailers were years away probably three years away from this potentially coming out but i think um yeah i think it just comes down to like what the story is really story storytelling is key and i don't think like you can play up the mystery of like the Mandalorian of like, Oh, where's Grogu or where's, you know, uh, this type of stuff. But I don't think you could play up a mystery the way stranger things works, you know, like in the star Wars universe, if that makes sense. All right. So I disagree. <laughs> well, you know, guy, you know, you, you're expecting that response from me because I've, right. been, yep. I've been reading all these things and, and Tim sheets. I got to agree with him in our chat. He's saying, Sounds like the High Republic Adventures comics. And he's saying that could mean it's somehow tied to the Drengir. The Drengir remind me of the Stranger Things monsters. And I really have to say, I think this is a fantastic idea. Because if you look at the slate of Star Wars feature um, live action series, we're kind of missing that little thing, right? I mean, we're not, we don't really have anything that's based off of a younger generation. Um, so that could be what ties people in. But I'm it's so funny that this pops up because my father literally just started watching Stranger Things and, and he's love it. Right. So it, it there's already a precedent set that even if it's based off of a younger generation of characters, adults can still really enjoy these stories and they can still okay. really be. Well, I'll say I'll say the difference with that, Chris. My only thing is with Stranger Things, I'm assuming your dad's what in his 50s or 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, those that time period reminds him of like his probably his twenties because it was in the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. So he's probably got that nostalgia feeling of like, oh, that's what I saw as a as a young adult. That's why I can connect to what these kids are going through, kinda. Like that's the difference with Stranger Things. I think when adults look at it compared to like me looking at a Star Wars show with kids. Now, again, oh. there are some similarities too, so I can't I can't be a hypocrite and say there there isn't. But I think that's a difference from Stranger Things compared to doing a Star Wars theme like that. Well, Milton, my uh, gosh, this is gonna, this is the debate with Chris podcast now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, but, but my my thing with it is, do we quote unquote need that because Star Wars is accessible to everybody? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's my thing. Like Star Wars, like I mean, Lucas himself has said Star Wars is for kids. So like my thing is, is are all the movies like is the original trilogy, the prequels, is the Mandalorian? I mean, Grogu, Grogu, one hundred percent is for the younger audience mm-hmm. and marketing, but it's an access point for younger viewers. So, like, my thing is, do we need a specific younger audience thing because Star Wars is accessible to everybody? This isn't like, you know, take um, you know, we always reference the Godfather on here. This isn't like they're saying, hey. You know, let's let a 12-year-old watch The Godfather. Like, that's probably not the best right. choice. So, you know, it'd be different if we were saying, like, hey, let's start a kid series in The Godfather universe. So, like, okay, that could make sense because The Godfather or a more younger viewing audience series in The Godfather universe because that that's not available for their viewing experience. But for me, Star in Star Wars is accessible to everybody. Like, you know, I have a few younger cousins that have been watching Star Wars since they were like seven, eight, nine years old. And, you know, they they love it. So, like, I feel like it's accessible. I don't I, I think to me, hearing something like 
to me, this, well, one minute, I'll, I'll, I'll finish up this point real quick. I, to me, I just think this is like playing to that Netflix audience, if that makes sense. You know, that, that demographic. Well, here's the viewers. thing. Uh, look at what content we have all loved, right? We all loved Lost Stars. That is a young adult True. novel. That's based off of basically kids, right? And we've all loved it. We've seen how that story yep. integrates. We've seen how there's a lot of adult characters, obviously, that intersect uh, w- with generally these teenagers going through this entire war front. Um, and I think Claudia Gray, who is the author of that book, is going to be involved heavily with this. And they mentioned in this, um, Jordan Mason mentions there's a, a luminous author here. And we know that she's up to something because she wasn't telling us in the last thing what she was up to. And it was something big, apparently. Yeah, you know, you had you had Kathleen Kennedy on the last like year and uh, the the um year one year anniversary of the High Republic. She came on the video and said we have like very exciting projects, and I don't think she would do that for just any books. I think that she was maybe hinting at this announcement that we haven't got officially yet. But I look at the High Republic Adventure comics, and I think they're better than a lot of the Marvel comics. Honestly, like that deal with just adult characters, like these characters that that are created in the high Republic adventures, they have a lot of deep horrifying past and maturity about these characters that it it just transcends the fact that, Oh yeah, it's just kids, a kid's comic. Like there's actually a lot of stakes and a lot of relationship issues that are like life and death and different things. And plus I, I I mean, I have to agree again, going back to Tim's thought about the Drengir, like they could have really awesome looking creature designs and make it almost like a, a Star Wars like horror kind of vibe. And then you have the Nile. If this is set during like the same time of the books, so you have the Nile, which if I could see those guys in live action, that would be absolutely horrifying because a lot of the High Republic is presented as a horror series. You have like these creatures that come out in these clouds of yellow poisonous gas and they have these gas masks and they're all different designs and they have barbaric Viking like ways. Like I can imagine right now, just like seeing that in live action coming to life and just the exploration of a time period that we haven't seen anywhere near this far back in star Wars. This could be our first peek at like something that closer, much closer to the old Republic, seeing how everything interfaces and it's just a way to switch things up. Like I'm, I'm down. Like I, I'm down with just getting a different kind of set of demographic for characters, and um, really pulling through with having something that's going to be not just oh, this is just a kiddie show. Like there's kids in it, yeah. but that just doesn't mean it's lighthearted necessarily. I, I think the issue. I think the issue we're talking around at this point. We're talking around here is Star Wars is so exclusive. Like we have, um, not even the point of like the all the storytelling points we talked about and things like that, and like you know everything. I think the issue is we just need more Star Wars coming out more consistently. So like, I think people might see this. Like for example, um, I mean Milton may feel the same, but I may I may not be able to speak for him. But my thing is, I'd be worried if I looked at the calendar and this was the only series coming out for say twenty twenty four. And I think that's what people get nervous about is when you have, say, one series, like, like for example, when the uh, the Last Jedi came out, you know, that's that's such an easy thing to talk about. Um, but like when the Last Jedi came out, people were like, "Oh man, this is the only Star Wars thing we're getting. This is the only Star Wars thing we got all year, 
and it turned out to be this. Or like Solo. A lot of people didn't like Solo. Like, you know, we, we all enjoyed it for the most part. But like a lot of people didn't like Solo at all. And they viewed it like, oh, man, Solo's the last Star Wars thing we're getting until Rise of Skywalker. So like I think a lot of people, when they see some series in development, just subconsciously you still are in that um, mindset, whether you um, want to be or not, it's still there just from like our past with just dealing with movies is like, you know, we also have to remember like, hey, there's potential, like even though this series may come out and we may not be initially interested in it, there's other series coming out around it. Like there could Mm -hmm. be Ahsoka season two or Mando season four or things like that. Like, you know, it, it could go in that direction. So I think that's also an issue Star Wars fans have, or not even an issue, a quality Star Wars fans have in general, is you still have that thought process in the back of your head, like, oh man, is this the only Star Wars thing coming out? But, you know, luckily for us, you know, we just need to remember, like, it's not the only thing that would be potentially coming out that year. Yeah, it's a great time for experiment experimentation, right? Like you said, if this was the first thing that Disney Plus put out in front of, like, Mandalorian Season 1, yeah, I think there would be a lot of room for worry. But like you said, we could be, like, Season 4 of Mandalorian, Season 3 of Book of Boba Fett, Season 2 of yep. Andor, and it's, you know, sandwiched in between Bad Batch Season 3 and, and the High Republic uh, uh, animated series Season 1. Like, we're when we get to whatever this point, this will probably be, like, 2024 at this point, it's going to be at this point where we're going to have multiple Star Wars things maybe releasing the same day. You know, they might have like animation running alongside of like the same releases, like a live action show at that point. So it, it, it's at that point where it's like, OK, they could if, if you want to even clarify or consider a risk or a risk for a certain demographic of people that might not you know watch it, then that would be the time when they have built up all their other IP within Star Wars are released like around that time of the year anyway. So. Oh, 100%. Like, like that's a, you know, I feel like when it comes to that show, they're definitely going to kind of mitigate their or minimize their potential risk with it. If it would come out, like, I think it'll probably end up being like a six to eight episode type series, you know, just to kick things off. And, um, I do feel like they'll release that, but it'll be released within the same calendar year. We'll also be getting another one of those big things like Mando season four or potentially the Taiga Watiti movie or potentially the Kevin Feige movie or what, you know, whatever, something along those lines. Like it'll be, um, it'll be a minimal risk, maximal potential profit because if it hits and it's amazing and great, then we have another great star Wars show. Yeah. Um, And then if it does, if it doesn't, they can just wrap it. I'm thinking now, like how how crazy far away this actually might seem. This might not be out till like 2025. Because I'm if I'm doing the math right, I don't think that Claudia Gray, who's involved with the High Republic books, will put this thing out if they're still telling the stories in the books. Because there is a an end date. Like there's supposed to be only three phases of the High Republic. Phase two isn't going to start until the end of 20, 2022. Figure that's going to go on for an entire year. Yeah, I'm thinking this thing is not coming out till like 2024 at the end of 2024 because I, I feel like they're not going to want to tiptoe around writing a story if there's still books being told. So this could like continue the books and get closer to like the Acolyte maybe, like in between the Acolyte and the High Republic because we know that the Acolyte's like at the end of the of the High Republic. So. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it heading in that direction. And then also, you know, we have all these things coming out. We have Ahsoka, we have potentially an Andor season two. We obviously are going to have multiple seasons of Mando. Um, that could be, I mean, remember, um, uh, uh, I think it was Carl Weathers or John Carlos Esposito, like, a couple of years ago, he, he was like, oh, I can't wait to be playing in Mando for, you know, for season three, four, right. five. Like, <laughs> he listed actual numbers. So it makes you wonder, you know, if they signed him on for, like, a five-season contract or something. Mm. So, um, like, I think that'll be running. That'll, I think Mando's going to be their longest-running show out of these shows. Because, I mean, it is kind of like the Mandoverse. And then, you know, we'll have the other shows. And I think... I think we're honestly looking now that we're talking it out, we're looking at probably 2025 or 2026, if that sounds crazy enough, just because I think all of these Mando shows are going to wrap with the Taika Waititi movie or with the Feige movie. Like, I think we're going to get that type of a Avengers Endgame with all of these shows, you know, teaming up basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then after that is potentially where we'll start up with like, this new show and, you know, and, and potentially others or movies and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So believe it or not, there's still more stories to talk about. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more as we get closer to an official announcement of, of Mm -hmm. this here, of this potential live action, high Republic series, which is something I've been kind of screaming for. And, uh, it's getting closer to being a reality. So, um, we have a big comic mini series that has been revealed and that is, the Marvel's Obi-Wan comic coming out in May. It's a five-issue miniseries. It's written by Christopher Cantwell. And it's got artwork by one of my favorite artists at Marvel right now. And that is Arya Andito, who actually, tying with the High Republic, he is the artist for the mainline High Republic series, which is just, he creates such great artwork with that series. It really pops off the page. But yeah, so this series is um, basically the framework of the series is Obi-Wan Kenobi's in his hut, a couple days or a couple weeks before Luke Skywalker shows up. This is his journal that he's writing. So he's kind of reminiscing because he he feels, as they explain in this article at StarWars.com, he feels like there's a big moment in his life coming. And that is going to be a new hope, right? So he's kind of going back and each issue is going to go back in his life. So like the first issue is going to be all about him as a youngling in the earliest part of his life with Qui-Gon like, and he, him as mm-hmm. a youngling. Um, then I guess there's going to be like a Padawan version, a Clone Wars version. So that's a pretty cool way to tie it into the Obi-Wan series. And when this first came out, a lot of people, I think, were getting like really hyped up because they're like, they, they seen the banner like, oh, my gosh, they're announcing the Obi-Wan series uh, release date. And then they're like, oh, this is just a comic. You know what I mean? And I think, Ben, you even showed me um, some person tweeted it out and then took it down or something that, that the Obi-Wan series yeah, was, is confirmed for me. It was... It wasn't even some person. It was a Disney executive who was confused. Like, <laughs> it was an actual executive who works at Disney tweeted and was like, hey, guys, can't wait for the Kenobi series, May 2022, blah, blah, blah. And then he deleted his tweet and put his account on private because people were blowing up his Twitter account. Holy crap. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, like I'm really looking forward to this comic. We, we've got an Obi-Wan and Anakin miniseries, but to see... Obi-Wan like throughout different moments of his life getting peaks at different moments we haven't seen like we got this really great book with um, Master and Apprentice also hey we're talking a lot about High Republic author Claudia Gray wrote that one great book 
Um, we're going to get a lot more Obi-Wan content with uh, the Brotherhood book that is written by Mike Chen from Del Rey. Um, we're also getting that that like um, Jedi Apprentice book-esque type of young adult book, um, which is going to be about an even earlier part of Obi-Wan's life. So <laughs> by the time this series comes out, we're going to know like every decade of Obi-Wan's life, um, except for that big part with him and Satine. Like, I feel like they keep hiding that story. It's like from the Clone Wars. It's like, mm. I want to know about Satine and, and Obi-Wan and about that romance and what had happened and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I'll throw it over to Milton. Do you think this is a pretty cool uh, story to tell for Obi-Wan throughout the years? I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, I mean, I'm not really a comic book reader, so obviously that's your, your like thing, Chris, but... I mean, if, if they do it right and it makes sense for what they're trying to do, then great. Um, I mean, I again, if, if they, they tell a good story, then I'm, I'll I'll eventually read it. If if it's trash and you're reviewing it and say, you know, hey, this comic book is garbage, I ain't reading it. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um, but like I said, I I love Obi Wan. I love that character. So and I and you said what was it Claudia Claudia Gray's rightness? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, you, she can't. She can't oh, do wait, wait, no. Oh no, no, Claudia Gray's not writing this. Sorry, I was or just she's doing the her. High Republic stuff. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, even that though, like, everyone who's written for this character loves this character, and they know how to write for him. So mm-hmm. hopefully, it's good. If it's not, then you'll be the first one to tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's interesting, you know, going back to that guy, you know, incidentally, whether or not that's actually a real date he was talking about, um, but just talking about hey this is coming out in may could that also be the date of obi-wan coming out you know i i, I still feel pretty strong they're gonna reveal it on may the 4th like they did bad batch season one or they'll wait till star wars celebration and it'll do like a like kind of like the red carpet event or something at star wars celebration and show it to everybody there and around the world at the same That's, time when is celebration that is uh memorial day weekend so it starts on uh may 25th i think Oh man, because wasn't May twenty fifth the original Star Wars date? Oh yeah, because celebration doesn't start until Thursday, the twenty sixth, the day after. Because <laughs> see, I was thinking, man, would they release the Kenobi series on the original Star Wars date? Because I think it's May twenty fifth is when the A New Hope came mm-hmm. out, but yep. it would be before celebration, and I don't think they'll release it before the event. Yeah, so, um, so that's mm-hmm. pretty cool there. Uh, Last story we have for this week, another publishing one. We have a new middle grade novel for Star Wars Hunters called Battle for the Arena. This is going to be out on November 1st. And it's about this character of uh, uh, Reeve, who is a basically a, a, a Jedi Padawan, kind of like Cal Kestis. But I guess, you know, she lost her way. And this is before, I guess, Return of the Jedi. And it, it talks about her story and about how, you know, this, this game, this is a mobile game that's coming out at some point this year. And you can play all all different characters. Like a, it's an arena kind of game. It's free to play. But mm. I'm I'm happy that they're at least like kind of digging digging into some of these characters and giving us some kind of canonical story on some of them because it's at least it's a little bit more than just than just that you know. So that's something you can get, you can look forward to. That's just a middle grade novel, so it shouldn't be too too long. But uh, at least we'll be able to learn a little bit more about that Sith character because I was like, wait, what the hell? What the hell? What what is a Sith doing in Return of the Jedi? Like, I got to know about right. this character. So of all the characters, um, at least we're gonna ex- ex- see what's going on with this this Sith inspired uh, character. And 
Well, with that being said, we have finally gotten through it. Oh, one quick thing. Um, as mentioned in the Obi-Wan article, there is going to be a um, a compilation of Black Kersantan comic stories um, called Star Wars Tales Kersantan Number 1. So for those of you that are like, hey, I really like that cool Wookiee in Book of Boba Fett. How do I know more about him? Well, besides going to Wikipedia, there's going to be a little cool like compilation of comics that have like his most... Uh, uh, cool, like his coolest adventures, you know, against Obi Wan and some stuff with Doctor Afra and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not sure when that comes out, but uh, be on the lookout from that uh, for your local comic book uh, stores. And well, with that being said, we are finally at the end of the show. I know there's a lot to talk about, but there's also some breaking news, which is always a lot of fun to talk about, right? As the show is going live. So uh, there you go, another fun-filled show penultimate issue uh, penultimate episode of the book of boba fett episode six went over our predictions we went over what's going on with people you know talking about is this really a, a mandalorian show or is this a book of boba fett show explain a lot of intricacies about the force there's so much good discussion in this episode yeah we started off with some technical difficulties but i think we uh came through at a strong finish at the end here um ben what are you up to this week and uh where can the people find you well, we have uh, relatives coming in. We're celebrating. Actually, my dad's retiring um, 35 years at UPS. So, you know, that's exciting. So we're just going to be hanging out with family all weekend. Also, uh, one final wildcard prediction. There's always the chance of that guy with a purple lightsaber popping up at the end of this Book of Boa show. So uh. there's that. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think... I, uh, yeah, the weekend's just going to be pretty relaxing, hanging out with family and probably talking with you guys more about Star Wars as always, whether it be, you know, on Twitter or, you know, uh, us three talking in the group chat. It's just, it's always such a great time to be a Star Wars fan, especially right now, like speculating and talking with other fans and everything because like, uh, you know, quick story. So there's a, uh, a girl I follow who's like a big Ohio State football fan. You know, I know her and stuff. And she's not a Star Wars fan by any stretch. And like every week, you know, she's watched basically The Mandalorian and Mandalorian Season 2 and that's it. And, you know, it's just mainly because she, she, Grogu, that's the only reason why. And she started watching The Book of Boba and like every week it was so funny watching her tweets. Like every Wednesday it was like, oh man, this Book of Boba, like... I thought we were going to get Grogu. I thought yeah. we were going to get Baby Yoda. I thought we were going to get Baby Yoda. And then as soon as Grogu pops in this week, her Twitter was all like bold writing like, oh my gosh, Baby Yoda's back. Blah, blah. I'm like, well, you don't care about spoiling it for other people. Um, but, uh, you know, she was posting that at like six o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Um, so, you know, it's just great seeing people's excitement over Star Wars. Like people that aren't just hardcore fans, people that love the property. Like it's great seeing people's reactions like that. And I just just makes me smile seeing people it's like good good that's that's how we should be reacting as fans like it's it's a great time to be a star wars fan it's always fun to talk about it online so you know you can find me at real ben maynard on twitter and instagram and i'm always there to chat star wars with everybody there you go what about you milton uh it's gonna be a very simple weekend honestly um this past week has been crazy for my family so it's going to be a good time just to relax and just kind of just settle down things. Um, for those who don't know, my aunt passed away last week. So we had her funeral this past Tuesday. So like I said, we're still just deep decompressing from that. But no, th this weekend is going to be just a relaxing weekend, hanging out, chilling, um, hopefully just get back to some normalcy. 
and enjoying just life in general. So if you can find me at Milton Weber 7, that's Milton Weber and the number 7. There you go. Yeah, much condolences to you and your family, man. Appreciate it. And uh, as far as me, um, I put out a couple videos you guys want to check out. If you want to know more about Cad Bane, I posted a video about basically his main stay adventures throughout the Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Darth Maul comics he was in. So I give you a quick rundown of his history if you want to know more about that infamous cowboy wearing red eyed blue bounty hunter. Um, and I also have a video that is a little bit of like, hey, what's going on? Is that actually the Jedi Academy from Last Jedi in the book of Boba Fett. So I break that down talking about the comics and, and tracing different things there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you can check that out. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to this channel. So you never miss out any of the videos, hit that bell icon. So you'll be notified when videos go live. As I said, you can listen to us on your commute at the gym on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you go ahead and rate us on Spotify, which you can now do. I do want to send a shout-out to everybody that joined us in the chat. We had Tim Sheets. We had uh, Shug Knuckles Fist Bump. We had Dark Nerdy Gonzo. We had Aaron Daly. Uh, I think that was basically... Oh, yeah, we had Star Wars Theology. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. Remember, you can join us every Friday at 9 o'clock Eastern next week is the big day. Join us and with all your excitement to talk about the the ending of the Book of Boba and the future of what I like to call the Mando verse. So for Milton, for Ben, for I, Star Raptor, not Star Wars, this was Outer Rim Transmission number 44 and Transmission. <laughs>